You're listening to ABQ Central. Well, to be fair. 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 With your host, Van Nunley and Fred Slow. <laughs> All right, this is going to be so good. 95.9 FM, 610, the sports animal. The cream of the crop. And talkabq.com. Turn it up. Turn it up. Felice Navi Albuquerque. Did I get that right, man? I was pretty close. You're closer than you normally do. <laughs> Hi and hello and good morning. My name is Fred Slow. Alongside me, my battery mate, the 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 Fred to to my Miss Claus. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> good morning, Van Nunley. How are you? Good morning, my friend. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas from all the way. Across the internet. <laughs> you and I. Spanning just, the globe of internet. Mike Vital joining us on the ones and twos. Sorry. Going, Happy Merry Christmas. Says, sorry. Stop. You're part of the show, Mike. I am Mike. So you don't know this, fan, but one time I shared your location with me from your cell phone when you were drinking one night and left with a stranger. So I just checked, and you and I are 1,010 miles apart currently. Oh, oh my goodness. That's a lot. Yeah, that's very precise. But we're together. We're together on the holiday, thanks to the, the internet. Thank you, Al Gore. Well, thanks to, thanks to quarantine. Uh, thanks to porn. Thanks that's to, the oh reason why the internet. That's why the internet has got so popular. You didn't know that? It's, is it on there now? They have it. <laughs> no, there, there was a news story about that a couple of years back that, that there, the advances in porn on the internet led to the transformation of the industry. Well, Today's Vital, industry. you've noticed that cell phones got smaller and smaller and smaller until we figured out how to put pornography on them, and now phones <laughs> are getting bigger and bigger and bigger. <laughs> okay, today's varsity. Are you ready for this? Uh, okay. Already? Today's varsity, today's I-9 varsity, the last I-9 varsity of the year, The what things porn changed, okay? So, things that are better because of porn. Okay. I'll try it out. I'll do anything once. So... <laughs> The uh, I believe the internet will make the list. <laughs> so sure. How was your holiday, friend? How was did Santa visit you and your family? Was it a was it a was it a wonderful was it a wonderful Christmas? Um, it was it was decent. Yeah, uh, I stayed home alone. I was an orphan today. I'm having okay. my Christmas tomorrow and Sunday. I go up and see the fam. Go up and see the fam tomorrow. But uh, I just hung out all day, and, and as you know. I watched the last nine minutes of the Mandalorian finale over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. Smart. I had to get a good cry out because Christmas movies don't do it for me. So I watched the last end, the the last nine minutes of the Mandalorian on loop. Uh, then I ordered some pretty bad Chinese food. Yes. And um, I'm not going to say where it came from. Okay, say where it came from. I'm not going to say where it came from because they usually do a good job, but this time they missed. Maybe a little overwhelmed with the Christmas story and people's affinity for Chinese food right. on yes. Christmas. That's got to be it, even though I was the only one with an order. It was so bad, Fred. 
How bad was it? It was so bad, I dumped it all into a strainer and rinsed it off and dried it out, and I made a sauce for myself. There you go. <laughs> I recooked wow, it. Wow, that's bad. I started from scratch. I had refried food. You're familiar oh, with refried beans. I had a whole refried dish. <laughs> I only learned about refried beans when I moved to New Mexico. It's, I did, they don't really exist in other places. Like I, they're not, well, at least not St. Louis, Missouri, or places that I frequented around the country. And when I first heard the concept, it didn't make any sense to me. Like you cook the bean, it's already done. And then for some reason you have to fry it again? Like I don't understand. I don't I don't think I get it. Yeah, I mean the joke is is how bad did you mess it up the first time? Oh, is that the joke? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. The so you've mentioned two things in this opening monologue that I need to hit on. Number one, you watching the last nine minutes of the Mandalorian over and over and over and over again. And how terrible your Chinese one was and i can combine these together because i watched pedro pascal star as the villain in the new wonder woman movie last night who is the star of the mandalorian sure and i'm about to tell you just how awful the new wonder woman is hit me with it it is at or near the worst film i've ever watched to completion it is let me give you the motivations here and by the way i recognize in superhero movies that often you're like a creature of your environment, right? Like Dr. Octopus from Spider-Man doesn't want to just destroy the world in Spider-Man. He wanted to help his family, right? Like that was his motivation originally. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I'll buy into it. Sure. Like so did tr- Genghis Khan though. Okay. That's <laughs> come on now. The only truly evil villain in a, in a superhero comic is the Joker. What is his motivation? I don't know. So Chaos. Pure chaos. Pure chaos. So in this film, pay, and I, hey, spoiler alert, because I don't care. Because this thing is so bad, I'm saving you, actually. This is a li- I'm actually throwing you a life preserver. So Pedro Pascal's motivation to become a supervillain. Are you ready for this? I'm going to mm-hmm. give it to you. He doesn't want his kid to think he's a loser. Okay. <laughs> The rest is history. All right. That's his, that's pretty weak. It's pretty weak. That's dangling by a thread there. It's pretty weak. <laughs> There's no hyperbole here. I'm giving you the truth. His sidekick, and she's known for just her vast acting ability and her spectrum of a, of capabilities. Kristen Wiig. Yeah, that one hit me. That, I got a giggle when she was cast in that. Who's only played one role ever. So her motivation as the evil sidekick. Well, one could argue she played dozens as a up. character actress on Saturday Night Live, but you finish. Yes. <laughs> I know after Adam Sandler left Saturday Night Live, the acrimony on him was just how versatile he is. Okay. That is so, a horrible example. What? Up and... We'll have this talk about Blood Diamond or whatever movie he made. In or how about for the I-9 Varsity, we do actors who can only play themselves. Jason Statham. <laughs> Jason Statham is one. Matt Damon is one. <laughs> they're, they're actually the same. Adam Sandler is one. So Kristen Wiig's motivation, and I'm not joking here, as the evil sidekick, her motivation is 
She didn't get to sit at the popular table at lunch. Oh, good lord. This is the entire film. The equals in power, ability, and chaos to Wonder Freaking Woman. Or the kid that didn't want the guy that doesn't want his kid to think he's a loser and the loser and the actual loser. <laughs> so, and that's a hearing you say this is a bummer to me because I am a Pedro Pascal fan. Same. Even before the Mandalorian, he killed yes. it on Game of Thrones. Killed. He killed it in Narcos Mexico. Yeah, he's had a lot of great roles. So this is a talent. bummer. And he's I'm a talent. Kristen Wiig fan too. Yes, and I'm I'm not a, I can't tout like. Like a lot of like Colombian born, which is what I'm assuming Pedro Pascal is probably Chilean. <laughs> okay, act. I don't know a lot of them. I remember thinking the Kingsman was good. Otherwise, I don't know anything. So, anyways, do not watch Wonder Woman 1984. It is the worst film ever made by human beings for other human beings. Geely has entered the chat. Okay, Geely <laughs> is a masterpiece compared to 1984. Ben Affleck. Saves Geely. Is he in that? Yeah, he's that one. I would say actually Giovanni Rabisi would save Geely, but it's still horrible. Giovanni Rabisi became a much bigger deal than he needed to be after saving Private Ryan. Speaking of porn, have you seen uh, the parody for Saving Private Ryan? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I saw that. Shaving Ryan's Privates. That's not what it's called. <laughs> too much. <laughs> I had a good Christmas. Thank you for asking, Van. Yeah, so anyways, after I watched The Mandalorian on a loop, <laughs> I watched a little bit of football. I watched your league winner, Alvin Kamara. Oh, my God. If you got him, you're Set an way. NFL record, which you do. Oh, I do have him. In Am the I league in the that I'm commissioner of. Am I in the championship game? You're in Am the I? championship game, and you have Gosh. Alvin Kamara. So Merry Christmas to Fred. Okay, I just got this from the texter. Okay, are you ready? Mm-hmm. Rotten Tomatoes currently has Wonder Woman 1984 at 67% on the tomato meter. That's passable. Yeah. It's got to um, be worse than that. It's fresh right now. Okay. Um, but watch it fall. I was pretty bu- I'm, fall. I'm bummed. What you're saying bums me out. Number one, Pedro Pascal. Number two, I was excited for like the 80s throwback superhero yeah. movie that seemed like a really cool premise that they could have like done superman. a lot with yeah, yeah 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 but that wasn't superman wasn't an 80s throwback it was in the 80s yes it was made during the 80s well this was made during the when 2020s. christopher reeves was bipedal okay i mean <laughs> come on now it's here's the thing it's a sports show so from the texture, okay, so here's a little juxtaposition. So okay. Wonder Woman 1984, 67% on the tomato meter, right? Okay. The Mandalorian, 100% on the tomato meter. If you didn't like the Mandalorian. Something's wrong with you. You could meet me outside. Yes, meet me outside. I don't care how big a boy you are. I will defend that show to my death. John that has Favreau. really taken Star Wars to another level. A whole other level. It's breathed life into it. It, it might have single-handedly saved 2020. It saved Star Wars. There is sports in the world right now, I promise. Will. If you're not an introvert 
and you weren't plagued by introverted depression, 2020 wasn't your favorite year. No. Is that the understatement of 2020? <laughs> I, t- I hope, Vital, and I know we got to go to break, but I hope, Vital, that this is the worst Christmas that I've ever had and that I ever will have. I hope for that. Hope for better things in 2021, right? I don't in- hoping's out of the question. You got to actively make it better. Yes, this is the worst Christmas I ever experienced, and I'm very happy about that because I'm never going to have one this bad again. Ah, don't sell yourself short. It uh, it's the end of the year, Van. So what do we do at the end of every year? We do a year in review, and yeah. that's what we're going to do for the remaining two hours and forty five minutes of the program. We're going to break down twenty twenty. We're going to break it down sports primarily. Obviously, we'll get into break pop culture and current events. So me and Van and Vital will do it guestless, except of course for the Izzy Hour at nine a.m. when we talk Lobos. But guess what? Lobos in review. We're going to have a lot of fun this morning. We're going to laugh a lot. It's going to be a loose holiday weekend on the program. Uh, phone lines will be open, 505-246-0610. And we're going to play all morning long, taking you right up to on the mic. Big, big Actually, UFC no, you know what? Oh. Sorry about that. I, I didn't tell you. We got uh, Saturday NFL football. Oh. We get starting off at 11 with the Buccaneers and the Lions, followed by at 5.30 tonight, uh, Dolphins and the Raiders, a couple of teams there needing a little positioning for the playoffs. And then we have our tri- normal triple header tomorrow. So what a good way to start the weekend. Yeah. In- inside baseball van for the listener. Didn't check my email this morning. So that's on me. That's E-me. I'm gonna eat- I ate that one up. Happy birthday, Ozzie Smith, 66 today. Ooh. Dave & Buster's presents ABQ Central live from multiple Talk ABQ studios, Prime New Mexico Pinion Coffee. We play on Team I-9, and we celebrated all holiday season at the Rio Rancho Event Center. 95.9 FM and AM 610, the sports animal. Welcome back to the program. You got ABQ Central's year in review today. You're listening to Dave & Buster's Presents, ABQ Central live from the App Talk ABQ studio. We're powered by New Mexico Pinon Coffee. We play on Team I-9, and we party at the Rio Rancho Event Center. We are getting Fred back online. That's my fault, loyal listener. I kicked him out accidentally. Technical difficulties. More like user error. We're opening the phone lines today, 505-246-0610. What was your favorite sports moment of the year? What was your favorite moment of the year? What was your least favorite moment of the year? I'm sure you got a ton of those. It wasn't the best year. It feels like it was just January and the whole Australian continent was on fire and we're about to get into World War Three with Iran. Boy, were those the days. My goodness, so long ago, yet it feels like yesterday. Has 2020 flew by for you, or has it crept by? Is every day the longest day of your life, or has this thing just absolutely flew by? Because for me, it's both. It's kind of weird. It's like 2020 has disrupted the space-time continuum, and I don't know if a day... Is 12 hours or 36 hours because I am wildly confused 
Saints Alvin Kamara ties the NFL record with six rushing touchdowns yesterday. If you, like Fred, managed to sneak your way into your fantasy finals, and if you, like Fred, own Alvin Kamara, then congratulations, you're probably going to win your fantasy league and either win the trophy or win some money or win a crown, I don't know, or get to pick the punishment of the last place team. That's a pretty good scenario. I like that too. We got him back, Vital. Nope. You talking about my sixty points, Van? Is that what you're talking about from old Alvin coming? I am sixty. Oh, okay. Sixty points and some change. Did well. Did well for me yesterday. So I I made what I thought was a genius play in my in my other fantasy league. I got two. I used to okay. have four. I'm trying to quit, so I got it down to two. Fred, welcome back. By the way. So I got my leagues down to two, and the other one I'm in, I thought I made a genius move because I played this player who plays on a team called the Saints, and his name is Emmanuel. Oh, okay. He's new. And (laughs) he was just so plain for a team called the Saints with the name Emmanuel on the son of God's birthday. Bert Emmanuel, who... (laughs) who changed the reception rule for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the 2001 playoffs. That's who you're talking about. No, that would be his great-nephew, Emmanuel Sanders. Okay. So I thought it would be a brilliant play to play a dude named Emmanuel on Christmas Day. It didn't work out. All of J.C.'s mojo went to your dude, Alvin Kamara. So congratulations, Fred. Unless your opponent pulls off a miracle, friend of the show, friend in real life, Brendan Goody. R.I.P. Congratulations. Congratulations on the crown. We're doing our year in review, Van. Yep. We're having a lot of fun with it as we just loosely dipped our toe into the fantasy world. What I did, Mike, is I went back through 2020 and looked at the biggest sports stories And I'm a finale guy. I'm going to start with what I believe is the biggest sports story of the year. A lot of people, I think, would say COVID. I think that is a close second. I think COVID-19 specifically will get to it, the shutting down of everything's. But i tell you what I think it is, Van. Are you ready? Biden stole the election. No. No. (laughs) What about all this mounting evidence? There's so much evidence everywhere, Fred. Well, what you're talking about actually doesn't exist. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Um, And if you want to get political... No, I'm just kidding. So, January 20th... Trump's legal team is the New York Jets of law. Oh, man. (laughs) They're like 1 in 51 in I don't want to go 22 minutes before we go sports but if you followed lynn wood's twitter last night it's oh, no. christmas oh no it's christmas oh no i did not i gotta get oh, caught up gosh. hit me it's with christmas it. night she's blaming bush 41 for stuff he's been dead for two years okay okay so january 26 2020 the day the music died van is kobe bryant and eight other passengers mm. 
uh, died in a helicopter crash. And help me, Vital, is it Calabasas? Is that right? Calabasas? Yeah, Calabasas. That's a uh, southern part of uh, L.A. County. There we go. This, to me, Strongly. messed me up, Van. This, to me, was like what, like those, you saw one of your heroes die. This was like, because I'm then 35, now 36. Kobe was like the one. You know, when I was a kid, it was Kobe and Tim Duncan. Those were like the two. He gone. So this to me is the, as far as 2020 year in review, this is how 2020 started. And it was like that moment. Do you remember that moment when you first heard it? Like, is that, is that like a JFK style thing for you? It really was. Yeah, it really was. Cause you know, he's larger than life and he's got this dynamic personality. Like he's more than just a basketball player. And when you lose somebody like that, it makes you really put life into perspective that it's fleeting. It could be gone at any time. If somebody like Kobe, who has all the money in the world, all the power in the world, all the respect in the world, can be gone in an instant, what does that say about your existence? What does that say about your life? It makes you really put things into perspective and make you take note on what you really care about. I, yeah, I guess there is a what about meism about it, like how you know everyone is so vulnerable and anything can happen to anyone. Um, I think the impact stuff to me, it was similar to um, you remember Robin Williams. You remember when Robin Williams passed? Of course, yeah, that one similar, hit hard. Yeah, yeah, it was the same kind of vibe for me, to where it was like, here's like an identifier in my world. Here's a thing. To where, like, as a kid, because I'll just use, like, our current profession, right? Like, talk radio. Like, we love attention. <laughs> and then as a child, I was like, oh, Robin Williams is, like, super weird. He gets attention. Oh, I'm super weird, too. And that was, like, a thing where I felt like w with Kobe Bryant where he was done with his playing career, which obviously, I mean, I loved playing basketball as a kid. I, you know, I love taking it in as an adult. But, like. Rushmore oh, guy. Yeah, oh, my gosh, Yes. Oh, my gosh, yes. And it, it wasn't like a dissolve away. It wasn't like he was, you know, he was still very much, he was, you know, he's making movies at this point, and he's very public with his family, and he's, you know, he's just, he's of that sort where it was like, oh, Kobe Bryant's going to be around for 50 more years. He's going to be around for a long time. Sure. Carry the torch for basketball, not only yeah. – the NBA, but women's basketball. He was a champion of youth women's sports because of you know his daughter was a superstar and she was gonna take Co take the mantle from Kobe and yeah, it's, it's so tragic. It was super, yeah, beyond tragic because and and obviously we can project anything at this point, but like for he, you know, maybe he's coaching, you know, in the Olympics, or maybe he's doing something, and you don't know. I mean, it could have been anything, but. There was just so much, so many more chapters to the story that was, you know, what Kobe Bryant was going to be in his book. Friends of the show, 505-246-0610. Call in. Tell us about your year. On the phone line, we got Dan. Good morning, Dan. How are you? Good, buddy. Good morning, guys. How are you all today? Good morning, friend. Doing good. well. Taking it all in. Guys, you know, how, you know how much I love the show and 
I see Vital. I wanted him to have some time off, but he's back like a hero. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, guys, I, I, I'm listening, and, and I was affected so strongly by Kobe's passing that I could not even compose myself um, when I called in. I called into the morning show. I can yeah. still hear it, my friend. Thanks for the call. And uh, I... You know, that could have been any of us. I remember, you know, I coached for 20 years. But tell knows that I coached uh, high school soccer. I coached uh, junior high basketball. I coached AAU basketball. So many times I had kids on the road with me that the parents entrusted me to um, care for their kids. Oh, Here we go again. Here we go again. And, and you know, I... When Kobe was young, I said, ah, you know, this guy, he's, he's so arrogant. He's so uh, good. You know, he should just, he should just take this and, and be proud of it and be, be a good guy. And then when they, you know, he got caught messing around and all that stuff, I was like, oh, man. Then I had to explain to all my girls. I raised three daughters. I had to explain to all my girls that were my student athletes about Kobe. You know, guys make mistakes and guys are stupid and guys... You know what I mean? All these things. But then he changed. He changed. And we all watched that change occur. And he was so dynamic and such a good guy. Uh, became a great dad. Became a great husband. Became became a great coach. Became a, a great person in our country. And you talk tragic. That was a tragic loss. Because, like one of you guys just said, it seems like there were so many more chapters to come. But he's gone. And that was definitely one of the biggest of things that affected me this year, besides COVID. I mean, I have a daughter that's a frontliner in Houston. But, boy, Kobe's passing was tragic. It was too soon. And I don't think I'm the only one that was affected like that. Thanks, guys. Happy New Year. Happy holidays, Dan. Hey, happy holidays, Dan. Thanks for the great call, and thanks for thanks for the passion. We really appreciate it. And thanks for everything you've done for, for youth sports. We need more guys like you out there. Thank you so much. The power the power of sports, man, right? Absolutely. And, you know, after after Kobe's passing, there was all these, um, all these gestures, and I want to get into that a little bit when we get back. I want to get into the reaction to it because we're we're year in review here on the program dave and busters presents abq central live from the talk abq studios powered by new mexico pinon we play on team i9 and we spent our holiday season at the rio rancho event center 95.9 fm am 610 d sports animal we're back on the program we've had the phone lines open all morning as we're talking year in reviews we wrap up 2020 we put it in a box van, we stick it under the Christmas tree, and we light all of it on fire. Oh, how 2020 of us. Gosh. <laughs> when we open up the phone lines, 505-246-0610, we get a lot of friends of the show calling in, and right now we have one on the line. David is joining us. Good morning, Dave. How are you? Good. A couple of things. Sports as a lecture and ultimately kind of entertainment slash kind of regression from what's going on politically is mm-hmm. interesting, but it kind of brings to mind how selfish the sports 
environment is. I compare that to the political world because ultimately people were saying, well, politically we are of this opinion, and sports throughout the ACC, the SEC, and the Big 12 ultimately showed the same trend, meaning they had the virus follow their decisions just like Arizona and Texas did, in which case it was regardless of science. So ultimately one review point of the 2020 year is the political persuasion that people were and how that affected their sports and their politics. But the second point I'm calling about, back to the Kobe thing, there were eight people on the plane, on the helicopter that crashed. Kobe was a celebrity, and he was a coach of his daughter. There was another coach of their daughter on that helicopter. That person wasn't named. I came across an article that actually um, advertised the names of the people identified on the helicopter. And even then, I doubt people could have known the names of the other people. At that time, Kobe was saying, oh, his fans were saying, his life is just starting. I'm like, no, it's not. He was the celebrity, overpaid, successful. He had plenty of success. In comparison, like your co-host said, what does it mean for those who die without that celebrity status? And ultimately, it brings to mind, I've worked in the death industry from the military through funerals to grief counseling to medical legal investigations to a lot of things for a long time. And it just shows how long and how deeply rooted family connections are, in which case the Kobe thing is just symptomatic of what's wrong with sports how we raise our celebrities to the highest level to the exclusion of other people having that same attention. And last thing, I was in the Army unit that had the two million unknown soldier, and ironically, I wasn't the guard of the two million unknown soldier, but ironically, there was a guy whose family thought that he was their relative. They petitioned the Army to ultimately exhume the body. turned out it was their brother, their son. He was relocated to a plot in South Dakota. He was a Vietnam unknown soldier. And the kicker to all this is that's the extent to which people have this family connection. That unknown status was devoted to people like World War One, II who didn't have any known status. They weren't identified, in which case your family doesn't know where you are. But my point is, imagine you go to a funeral that nobody shows up to. Oh, goodness. In which case, Kobe Bryant is the other extreme. The female coach on Kobe Bryant's daughter's team died. His daughter's teammate was also dead on that same helicopter. So technically, there were two coaches, two players on that helicopter that crashed. One was Kobe Bryant's. One was last name Bryant, his daughter. They get all the attention. The other people who's, who ultimately don't know whose name that is, the other player of Kobe Bryant's um, daughter and her mother, Coach. So my basic but, point is we've releva- elevated people of celebrity status from Kobe Bryant to LeBron James to everybody to such a status that we allow them to walk on water. I don't so, think the rest of the world deserves that inattention. And, and Dave, first of all, thank you. Uh, love that you're a fan of the show. Love where you take the time. That's a big deal to us. Van, how do you feel about, like, because I think it's the impact stuff, right? Because, like, obviously Dave's talking about 
how because of exposure and celebrity and impact in specifically sport here, but obviously we could use politics or, or film or music or whatever. Do you, do you recognize it as impacted that individual culturally or do you, or do you, is it one life is, is all lives are exact same or like what's, how do you value that van? Like what's your, what's your takeaway as far as, is loss when it comes from a place of notoriety? Sure. I mean, I think this goes back to, and I, and I want to read the names of all the victims. So you had a, David had a very good point where, you know, we, we only talk about Kobe and don't realize that there were seven, right. seven other people on that helicopter. But, but real quick, let me unpack this, that, you know, America's biggest export is the cult of celebrity. Movies, music, sports. Sure. This is John what, Wayne. this yeah, we're John Wayne. We're LeBron James. We're Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, this is our biggest export, and this is our biggest influence on the world, you know, military notwithstanding. But this is what America's known for is entertainment and celebrities. And so, of course, we put them on a pedestal, and of course, they get more attention than, than uh, the everyday person. So, also in the helicopter, as we all know, was Kobe's daughter, Gianna, 13-year-old. And from my understanding, uh, Kobe chartered the chopper, and there were coaches and uh, coaches' kids in the chopper. We also had Sarah Chester, 45-year-old Newport Beach mother of three, Peyton Chester, um, a member of the Mambas, uh, eighth-grade basketball player, John Altabelli, uh, 56-year-old traveling with his wife. Uh, he was a coach, Carrie Altabelli, uh, his wife, Alyssa Altabelli, another 13-year-old basketball player, uh, Era Zobian, and that was the 50-year-old pilot of the helicopter, and then Christina Mauser, 38-year-old coach of of the Mambas. So, seven um, other people besides Kobe were in that helicopter. And uh, thanks, David, for for elevating that point. Well, in significant loss is what it is. Um, you know, and we and obviously we will get into the impact of COVID nineteen, and then the, what are we at now? Van three hundred and fifteen thousand losses to COVID nineteen. Um, yeah, it's it's a um, I don't know, it's a, it's a shock because whenever you change your perspective on it, like the way that Dave was encouraging us to, I mean, it's a di- it's then a different conversation, right? Because it's um, like, and we'll just use like the first NBA games after after the accident. You know, teams were taking 24-second shot clock violations. Teams were paying homage on the floor. You know, it was, um, you know, in the All-Star game, you know, they wore Kobe's number and Gianna's number. Um, Whenever, yeah, whenever the NBA returned, um, you know, there was efforts made to to still even in, when did they return, August or whatever it was, still celebrate, September. They were still celebrating um, that life. You know, they were still... Um, the, even in the, the Lakers won the championship for the first time in 10 years, there's like homages to number eight and 24 on their championship ring. You know, there's, there's an impact there from Kobe Bryant that will probably never leave the league. Um, cause he's such a standalone story. It's the young man. And I'll, I'll hand it to you here, man, after this, who, who came in at, at 18 with the pedigree, did it for what was it 22 seasons or 20? Yep. He does it at the highest level. What 25, five and four? Is that what he averaged? And if that's not it, that's close. That's off the top of my head. Um, and then and then left the world too soon. 
I don't know if there's another NBA story that is that. You know, there's not a Roberto Clemente. You know, there's not that. Um, so it's, it is so unique. It is so standalone. It is such a tragic end, which I think puts emphasis on the story. Um, yeah, just, uh, I don't know. It, it, to me, obviously a league changer, but a life changer too. Yeah, and like and like I I, I uh, touched on earlier, I mean, it just it makes you want to put everything into perspective. Like, mm-hmm. hug your family, do something you love. Don't get stressed out about how hard life can be because it can be gone in the blink of an eye. And it's and it's not just Kobe Bryant. You know, it's thir- I mean, four thirteen year old kids died right. in that helicopter. They'll they'll never have a chance to do anything close to what Kobe did with his life. So, I mean, it's very precious, and it's a day after Christmas, and I hope, loyal listener out there, you got to spend a little time with your family. I know COVID-19, 2020, it makes it really hard on all of us to spend that quality time and get everyone together and give hugs and kisses and play games and sit at the same table and share the same food, but I hope at the very least you had a Zoom call with someone you love, because it could be gone at any moment, and... um We'll always have Kobe to remind us of that. Let's grab a break, and then after we grab that break, uh, we'll continue our year in review, Van. There's a couple more things. There's one more thing from the spring. I want to talk about the game of the year, okay? Game of the year when we get back, and then obviously at the 9 a.m. hour, joining us, Izzy Gonzalez from the Layer and m as we do our Izzy Hour. You listen to Dave & Buster's Presents, ABQ Central, live from the Talk ABQ studio, powered by New Mexico Pinion Coffee. We play on Team I-9, and we celebrated the holidays at the Rio Rancho Event Center, 95.9 FM, AM 610, the sports animal. Okay, man, I need your... Oh. I didn't, that was a longer bleed than I thought. I apologize. <laughs> man, I need your help, okay? You always got it, brother. All right. You got a coin, and you need to flip a coin because I have my sports, my sports game. This is my game of the year, okay? So I need help picking. Okay. Is it the Super Bowl where the Kansas City Chiefs came back from 10 down in the fourth to score 21 unanswered against the hated San Francisco 49ers to win? at the last really in-person attended anything? Or is it Drew McIntyre winning the Royal Rumble? Okay. To go on to face Bill Goldberg at WrestleMania for the WWE Championship. Which is it? Okay. I don't don't have a coin on me. Okay. (laughs) But you know what I do always have now? What is that? A friggin' mask. (laughs) So I'm going to flip my mask right now. Okay. Oh, my God. And the answer is B. Apparently, it, it was. It's the fate, Royal Rumble. Fate yes. says it was the Royal Rumble. Of course it was. Vital <laughs> might disagree with you and or fate. Not the last in-person attended pay-per-view for WWE Wrestling, but the last of the big four. Uh, simply put, the most exciting moment in all of pro wrestling this year the super bowl though uh and i don't to me anyways like i love a really good comeback i love andy reed's first title i love 
Pat Mahomes earning five hundred million dollars in a single game, Whew. and and you know Dave even hit on that earlier. He had said it a little bit like uh, whenever he called in in passing or as a quip or whatever, but overpaid is a phrase he used when he was talking. And I tell you what, I disagree completely. Market value, market value. Like mar- I am the guy that the market says, bears. Yes, if if the Chiefs are going to sell my jersey and make and make four hundred million dollars, you better give me five hundred million dollars. Like if you're gonna if you don't think you'd move as many Chiefs hats if I wasn't here, oh, I want my value. That is a fact. If I'm paying $16 for a 20-ounce Bud Light, $4 out of every beer, better, better go to Patrick, go to Patrick Mahomes. Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> he brought back Jake from State Farm. Nobody. That's how, that's how big of a deal Patrick Mahomes is. Nobody goes to the game to watch the owners. Nobody, no. nobody cares how much the owner mm-hmm. makes. They're there to see the best product you can put forward, and Patrick Mahomes is going to give you the best product, so he deserves every penny of it. If I he can, if he can make that money, go get it. Because it's, it's all ones and zeros on a computer anyways. It's yeah. all made oh, up. Give it away. <laughs> you can have all of it. Give him double. Double it. Joy, he until, did. <laughs> until the world goes to the standard of the yen or the rupee. <laughs> rupee. That mean nothing. <laughs> Van, have you ever seen a – I'm going to use the word epic. I don't use that a lot. Have you ever seen a more epic fourth-quarter comeback than you saw in the last Super Bowl? And, by the way, the last, like, title – it was like 50 years of Super Bowls, right? Like, this is the one. This was – in my – and people being in person obviously adds a magnitude to it now. But just simply put, the the best dang game of the year, right? Was there anything better? Yeah, I mean the baseball playoffs had some pretty amazing games, but if if one had to stand out, yeah, it's the Super Bowl. It's the fourth quarter comeback by the Chiefs. It's like San Francisco did everything they could absolutely do to stifle one of the greatest offenses of our time, and it looks like they're about to pull it off until the Chiefs actually showed up. Yes, and then Tyreek showed up, and Travis Tyreke Kelsey showed up. showed up, right? And Patrick Mahomes started dropping dimes. So he was, hey, they've been showing up for a whole year now. Look at them. Yeah, it's it's crazy. It is unreal. And if you remember, like in the fourth quarter, their vitality was like their drives like greater than sixty yards, greater than eighty yards, like like greater than like this team was like okay, like sorry Jimmy Garoppolo. Well, in their defense, and I think in that second half of that Super Bowl, you saw what their defense did in that fourth quarter and just turned it up a notch, and San Francisco was not the same. There's something to me about, like, are you even supposed to be there? Because if – and, Van, I think the last time you and I saw each other in person in a bar was, like, playoff football, right? So sure. we're, wa- we're watching, like, the Chiefs win games that we don't think they're going to win. You know, like – there are they even supposed to be here in San Francisco? Just kind of, I don't want to say waltzed, but the the what the NFC wasn't what the AFC was, and to get there and just watch the birth of this, and it's the quarterback for me. Obviously, he's the face of the league now, but to watch Patrick Mahomes just like ascend and watch that team like like are we watching the next fill in the blank as far as all time great? And that's what that's what that game felt like to me. Um, well, you, you mentioned Jake from State Farm. I think Jake from State Farm is the oracle here. Yes. He he brought together Patrick Mahomes and Eric Rogers. And, oh yeah, Aaron Rodgers. You're right. How yeah, about I mean they're the Super Bowl. They're one A and one B for MVP race this year, and they're both the, the golden children of State Farm. So uh, I don't know, buy stock in State Farm or whatever. Hey Jake. <laughs> 
they're going to see each other in the Super Bowl this year, and poor Jake from State Farm is just going to aneurysm. Oh, I know. Like he, he doesn't know what to do. Half of his hair is cut Patrick Mahomes, and the other half <laughs> is Aaron Rodgers' mustache. That's beautiful. <laughs> that's it. That's for me, though. That's the game of the year. There were some others in the mix. Um, like you were talking about the MLB playoffs. Those were pretty spectacular in their own way. The NBA uh, finals kind of puttered out. Um, like there at the end with the Lakers, it was never really in question. Um, obviously, I put like big game environment around the most important game. You can't tell me about like a last minute shot in the bubble in the middle of the season. I'm not going to care about that. That's not important enough to me. But um, but yeah, that'd be my that'd be my game of the year. That'd be the big one. Um, unless you or Vital can think of anything that was a little more significant, um, hey, the, I miss fans. The Heat run. The Heat being a low seed and upsetting yeah, the top two seeds—that was that was a big story. Run it, but ran out of gas. Old Jimmy Butler just couldn't do it. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like um, it's not like you can beat the greatest of all time in LeBron James. Like you, you can't go in on fumes and coffee. And think that you five zero five two four six zero six ten. Fred Slow, not Van Nunley, just referred to LeBron James as the greatest of all time. Oh, it's not even close. Call in and belittle him. It's not even close. <laughs> and I know with Vital, I said game of the year, and he said, well, I, "I think it's Among Us, or maybe, or maybe <laughs> Call maybe of Duty." <laughs> yeah, it's Call of Duty, guys. That's what Vital said. Cyberpunk. <laughs> yeah, Red no. Dead Redemption. That's what Vital. That's said. That's the game so. of the year. That's the game of the year. This, the big game feel. Cards against humanity. It's that's a, what it's it the is. game yeah. of the year. <laughs> Monopoly 2020. It's just apocalypse <laughs> all the way around the board. It's just you You buy broken down, abandoned <laughs> buildings. And re, instead of chance, you get really poor stock options. <laughs> COVID like, Park Place. That's what it, yeah, that's exactly what it is. Community community chest is actually just failed business ventures. Yeah, community chest, you just get to punch the person next to you yeah. in the face. IPOs that come out way too low. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good start. Izzy Gonzalez can join us via the phone line. So we're going to shut you down, caller, for a little bit as we talk Lobos and what the boys did against Boise State. Oh, you like that? The Boises? I like it. We get back an hour with Izzy Gonzalez, my favorite hour of the week, and your favorite hour too. Dave and Buster's presents ABQ Central from the Talk ABQ Studios. We're powered by New Mexico Pinion Coffee. We play on Team I nine, and we spend our holidays at the Rio Rancho Event Center, ninety five point nine FM AM six ten D Sports Animal. 9 a.m. New Mexico. Enjoy your morning coffee with your boys. Izzy Gonzalez is one of the boys, and she's from the Layer and M, and she's joining us to talk hoop. We're talking hoop. Good morning, Izzy. How are you? Good morning. I'm great. How are you guys? Aw, Merry Christmas, girl. Welcome. You too. Morning is. I'm in such a holiday spirit right now. It's great. Oh, what? Yeah, like, you know, after Christmas, there's, like, a couple of days, maybe a couple of weeks where I'm just, like, extra happy and extra nice. That's what I feel so, right now. Somebody got their stocking stuffed yet. No, I'm just kidding. Hey-o. <laughs> How are your boys doing? Back-to-back blowout losses, Izzy. 
What's going on with your boys? Oof. Well, if you're talking about the men's basketball team, um, not not good. Um, two pretty bad losses, of course. Um, there's there's not much to say. Like it, it's still a very inexperienced group. It's still you know they need a lot more practice for sure, and you could tell um, after the first game, it, it wasn't good. They had eight assists, thirteen turnovers. So the first thing Coach Weir addressed with them was, hey, let's take care of those empty possessions and let's take care of the ball a little bit more. Let's maybe create more assists, less turnovers. And they actually took a step back in that second game. They had three assists, 18 turnovers, which sounds awful. And it was. It was not their best game. They were shooting at 33% from the field. Everyone was struggling. Um, they they need a lot more practice for sure. They need a lot more time together, and a, a lot of that comes, of course, with not being able to have as much time together on the court. Because even their practices right now, um, they're different from what other teams are doing right now. Izzy, you kind of just hinted at it, but my next question is going to be: Is this indicative of the Lobos not being as good as we thought, or is this indicative of Boise being better than we thought? I think it's it's still kind of early, for me at least, to tell if New Mexico is going to be good or not, like this particular roster. Um, Boise State is good. I thought they were good even before the season started. Um, them and San Diego State are just they're just good this year. And you have Derek Alston, who he was perfect from the field. He went 9 for 9, for nine scored 22 points. He's probably going to go to the NBA. He's really, really good. But aside from that... Um, Boise State was a very big challenge for these Lobos to be playing that first conference game. But they also show just their lack of experience because they had three games, of course. Two of them were not Division One opponents. And like I mentioned, their practices are different because of where they're at. They're, they're a little bit behind. Uh, we're set that these practices are more like what they would be doing in September, maybe October, and since they are a lot of inexperienced guys, they have to watch a lot of tape, and they have to watch a lot of those mistakes they're making. Even games, honestly, even against Boise, um, we were saying that those times out, those timeouts, um, he has to kind of coach them there too when it comes to the last couple of possessions. It's not just, hey, let's look at this next play we're doing. It's like, hey, let's look at what you did wrong here. Um, we need a lot more adjustments. So overall, he thought the effort wasn't bad, but the execution wasn't good. And it's too early to tell if this New Mexico team is going to be good or not, because to be honest, they are not ready. Like, they were absolutely not ready for that game. It's not a team, Izzy, that can win games scoring points in the 50s. It's not a team that's going to beat a lot of people scoring 55 can this team put the ball in the basket? Like, where are going to be my primary scorers? Who's going to who's gonna be the guy that takes over on the offensive end for this Lobo team? So it's funny because I did ask Weir about the offense for against Boise State. Because it didn't really look like it did on the other games. Um, like the small lots, of course, was leading the team on the other ones. He was struggling a lot. On Wednesday, he went two for ten from the field. So that wasn't good. I think when there's a lot more pressure on him, sometimes, you know, he tries to go in a little bit too much. But um, 
there used to be a couple guys, at least in those first few games. Um, I thought Rob Brown was going to be pretty consistent. Um, Byron Matos, he's a freshman, so I wasn't sure about consistency, but I thought he could maybe score a little bit more. Um, Even Saquon Singleton, I thought, could maybe stand out a little bit more as well. But all of those guys, obviously in three games, we weren't really going to know if that was consistency or not. So we're going to need a couple more games to really see if those couple guys stand out a little bit more. And you do have um, Devonta Johnson's a freshman. So obviously it's going to make a lot of freshman mistakes. But he can shoot. Like, he was known for shooting when he was in high school. So I think maybe in a couple more games we're going to see him develop a little bit more. But um, you just got to find that consistency. You got to make sure you know, you're not turning over the ball as much. You want to make sure you're assisting. Three assists is not good for a whole game. Absolutely not. So Izzy, let's look forward to um, let's look forward and backward at the same time. This being the last show of the year, uh, last show of 2020. Pour out a little liquor for 2020. Adios. What do you see as the the year end recap? What are the big stories for the Lobos program? I think that for them is just figuring out who they are, um, but mostly a positive attitude. Um, they went through a lot. They had to relocate to Texas. Um, they didn't get a lot of practices here. So kind of their big picture is just positive attitude, which is what we were seeing for during quarantine when they weren't really seeing each other. A lot of other coaches used that time to just coach their team as best as they could through Zoom. And we're, at the beginning of the pandemic, he kind of gave them a little bit of time off, which was just for mental health, just so they could focus on their families and on just taking it all in. So that's that's kind of his perspective on this whole entire year. And he's kind of carrying that on right now. Even after that first Boise State loss, the, most of the guys, or all the guys, were just saying that, yeah, like we were kept it positive. He told us we're young. And it's okay. Like, it's, we're just going to keep working hard. And after that second game, we were said the same thing. He said, I can't tell them they're going to be, you know, amazing in a couple of weeks. Like, I don't know that. We don't know that at all. But what I can tell them is that we are still learning, and that's all we can focus on right now. So that's their story. It's just young, but positive attitude, work hard. The thing about, like, looking at the future is we already have 20, 21 commitments. We already have young men coming. I think who's our latest commitment from Alabama or something, right? So we already have people that are, are players that are going to come in and, and make an impact next season. Um, what are they going to see when they come to this landscape? Like, is this a team that's going to grow all year? Is this a team that's going to be able to make modifications and, and be in the mix in the mountain West? Or is this going to be one of those, Hey, we're young and maybe next year kind of years? Um, I, I think they're going to be better later on. Um, it's it's going to be rough for a while. I'm not going to say the next game they're going to be, you know, at Boise State level. Absolutely not. Um, the next game is against Nevada, and they're going to take Utah State. I think by the time they hit UNLV, um, which is on January 14th, I believe, mm-hmm. I think by then they're going to look a little bit better. But... This month, probably not so much. And it, it, since it is a young team, an experienced team, that means there's a lot of room for growth, right? And 
they are a couple of these guys. The guys I mentioned, um, Byron Matos is going to be really good big later on. Right now, he's still young. He gets excited a little bit. Um, Saquon Singleton, Rode Brown, obviously Malawatch. Um, Jeremiah Francis, actually, Weir has a lot of hope in him and his shots. Um, he says that he has a really beautiful three-point shot during practice. Um, he's saying that during games, he kind of gets a little bit nervous or something happens in his head then when he takes a couple of steps back. So he shoots a little bit further than he really needs to. So it's not obviously not a good shot. He has not been performing as well as people expected him to, you know, being from North Carolina and everything. I transfer him from there. So we're hoping that all these guys will eventually perform as well as they, you know, did during some of those practices. And I think they will. Like it might not be the next San Diego State. I don't think they're gonna beat them every single game. But we will see a better team in late January, February. And then, of course, March. So COVID-19 has derailed the country and the world and, you know, in, in this instance, sports. You got your finger on the pulse of the Lobos and, and college basketball as a whole. How are the Lobos doing compared to the medium and the mean of college basketball? How, how are the Lobos handling this and how is college basketball handling it? You mean on the court or just off the court stuff? Yeah, both. Um, on the court, you can tell they're behind. They are so behind on a lot of things. Um, part of the offense struggles, it's that a lot of those guys don't actually do what the coaches tell them to do. Not all the time, of course, but sometimes they think what they're going to do is going to help the team. So they, the coach will tell them something, and then they get an opportunity to maybe do something else. So then they do it. Because they think that's how the team's going to win. They think, hey, maybe if I make this shot, even though it wasn't a shot that was planned, um, it'll be good. So, obviously, that talks a lot about that, you know, inexperience of like, hey, just trust your coach. Um, and then off the court, it, they still need to reform that team chemistry a little bit more. Um, and it's not just me saying it. I think um, a couple of the guys have mentioned it as well. It's not that they don't get along. They do. But you have to get used to playing together. So if you compare them to, like, San Diego State, um, it's a group of experienced guys. Sure, there's a lot of new guys, but I think if you have that experience, that team can just play. They can just focus on playing instead of learning. So the Lobos are behind in a lot of different aspects. Um, They don't really have a home. They they do right now. They're going to be going back to Texas, but they have to figure a lot of things out. They're not sure if they're going to be staying there the entire season, if they're going to come back. So even just then, like pretty much every other team has a home, but the Lobos don't. So that's how behind they are. Let's grab a break, Izzy. But when we get back um, in spirit of our year in review, let's go back to last January and talk about some of the suspensions with the team and how the culture has changed and kind of the growth of the program when we get back from the break. Dave & Buster's presents ABQ Central live from the Talk ABQ Studios, powered by New Mexico Pinon Coffee. We play on Team I-9, and we spent our holidays at the Rio Rancho Events Center, 95.9 FM, AM 610 D, Sports Animal. Van, are we giving away any tickets today? You know it, brother. When do you want to do that? When do you want to do that? Um. Well, let's let's have all of our <laughs> attention on Izzy. 
like she so rightfully deserves. Deserved. And let's give away some tickets to Magical Mesa Christmas in the 10 o'clock hour. What do you say? So, okay, so at 10 o'clock. Well, you can also give me the tickets. Oh, my God. Izzy, I tell, <laughs> let me make a phone call, Izzy. Let me make a phone call. Izzy, okay. I, I will take you if you're willing to be seen with me in public. Aw. <laughs> Here's that the fun. Was fun. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen Izzy face to face in one month, and I haven't seen Van face to face in six weeks. How crazy is that? Two weeks before Thanksgiving, when I started quarantining. Crazy? Yeah, it's bonkers. Time just. To I feel flies. like we're in 2020. Time just kind of mixes together. So I feel like it's been six months since I last saw you guys, but it also yeah. feels like it was just like couple days ago so i don't really know what day it is no clue yeah we are one to wear out a welcome so i would lean towards more it feels like yesterday when when (laughs) you guys are fully aware i recently came off like a COVID 19 run you know like i had it and i went to put blue jeans on for the first time in what felt like months and they didn't fit anymore they were like i could fit like my entire like fist in between my waistband and my jeans and i was like this is the weirdest time this is nothing makes sense yeah. We were talking about year in review, Izzy, and I want to talk about the culture of the team because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be real honest. I got some concern. So um, last year about this time, Van, if you remember, we're on the program. We're talking regularly about the Lobos and the momentum they were on. It was something crazy. They were like, what were they? Is he like 15 and three or something at one point? And they were like, they, they were rolling off like six, seven wins in a row. And we were like, this is a special team. And then – it got weird. So there was some suspensions from the team. It was uh, Bragg and and, Carl, and Caldwell. Is that right? And yeah. then, and then it was all kind of downhill from there. Just derailed completely. Has this Lobos team been able to move away from the weirdness that was everything that was that? Is that still looming? Is that part of? the off the court. I mean, as far as year in review, this to me has just been the nail in the Lobo coffin, even till now. Yeah. So that's, it's it's good that you bring that up because it does kind of give you a better perspective on what's going on right now. Um, These guys, this particular roster right now, I haven't really met them, not too many of them because there's so many new guys. And of course, we don't go to practices, and they're in Texas or wherever they are right now. Um, last year's team, it's not that they were horrible people or anything. They they seem pretty nice, too. But, um, of course, a lot of things happen off the court. And those two guys that were suspended, they were very important to the team. Um, yeah, Colin Bragg, who was one of two bigs that the Lovas had. The other one was Corey Manigault. So losing him just left the team with only one real five. And then you had J.J. Caldwell, who was the point guard for the Lobos. And he was actually a pretty good point guard for the Lobos. Um, so when he wasn't there anymore, St. Martin had to take over for a while in that position. And he wasn't performing as well there. So that was, of course, a struggle. And then Vance Jackson got injured, I guess. I think it was at Colorado State. But he was out for a while. And then I think Jacob Lyle was also injured. So uh, for a certain period of time, you only had one starter in there, which was Makwich Malwatch. So you had four out of five out. I think that's when, you know, a lot of things, of course, were going to go wrong. So, yeah, those off-the-court issues affected the entire team because that was 
two main guys, two really, really important guys who are out. Because that point guard position, like, to me, that's the most important one. That's, like, the quarterback in football. So right now, since we're looking at back and forward, um, that's why the Lobos are also struggling right now. You have Jeremiah Francis be your starting point guard, but he's struggling a little bit as well. So if your starting point guard is struggling, that leaves you in the same place you were last year where J.J. Cowell was out, so then you had St. Martin in that position. So what do you do? Yeah, so you spoke on Bragg and Caldwell. We also, on top of that, Lobos had four transfers and, and a guy leaving the team. What I mean, what happened without, you know, the gory details? What happened in this locker room that led to this mass exodus, and how do they right the ship? So uh, a lot of the times transfers are just, you know, they want a better opportunity or they just don't feel like the particular team where they're on is the right fit for them. So it's not that anything super dramatic happened as far as I know or super gory, like you said. Like, it, things just happen. So, of course, Caldwell, he, he wasn't going to want to return. And it's just the, with all of that going on, I think it is difficult for the team to just kind of be like, okay, well, we're all together again. Yay, let's let's just make everything, you know, let's pretend it didn't happen. Um, sometimes I am a big believer that you just need to walk away and have a fresh start. So for me, that's what I'm thinking, you know, happens with a lot of these guys as well. Um, I mean, Vance Jackson, I don't think he had a problem with anyone in Mexico. It was more like he was looking for a new opportunity, you know. And that's valid. A lot of the times that happens. Even Anthony Mathis, he loves New Mexico, you know, former level Anthony Mathis. Um, but he wanted a new opportunity, mm-hmm. so he went out and got it. So it doesn't necessarily mean when someone transfers that they hate the coach or the teammates. It just means they want something else. I'll tell you what was so interesting. And by the way, I love second chances. I love redemption stories. Everyone deserves opportunity. With that said, whenever UNM had brought in like Bragg and Caldwell and these guys, because they came from power five conference schools, right? Like I think Bragg was at Kansas and maybe uh, Caldwell was at Texas A&M. Yeah, Kansas and Arizona. Yeah, that's right, Vital. So Whenever, whenever they came in, you know, they had left those programs under some litany. There was some stuff going on, some weird stuff. And then to show up, and if you hear a guy, Van, who's violating, quote-unquote, like, unspecified team rules, that just means they have a problem with the coach. Like, that means these guys are trying to fight with each other. And the last thing you want is to get so far away from, the like, the four pillars of success – and, and bring in guys that don't necessarily, like, like breed a really positive locker room. I need to have that faith that, like, Coach Weir and UNM is doing everything in their power to put in, like, quality individuals that can play basketball to create a culture of winning. And, and this time last year, I had gigantic concern that it wasn't going to work out. And here we are a year later, and I don't necessarily see the product on the court that I was hoping for. So, Izzy, is there... Is there any sort of chance that this team is going to be able to mash together like quality individuals and then quality play on the court? And if so, how long until that time happens? So, I mean, that's a great question. And you're right. A lot of it, the locker room vibe really does matter. Um, and that's when chemistry really comes in. Because if you have a team with talented players, but who just kind of do their own thing and just kind of, you know, they keep to themselves or hang out with their own friends or 
whatever. Um, that doesn't help the overall team, you know. You mm-hmm. want everyone to kind of come together, really become a team, really become close, because chemistry off the court really does translate to chemistry on the court. And this team right now is very young, very inexperienced, but in a way, because of how young they are, how inexperienced they are, there's not anyone right now who you would be like, wow, that's a star right now. Like, mm-hmm. absolutely not. So that kind of helps because then you don't have any egos going on. You have everyone being pretty humble down right now. Um, we were set after the first game. That was one of the positives, perhaps the biggest positive, maybe the only one at the moment. It was that it was a big slice of humble pie. And then after the second game, like that's a second big slice of humble pie. So those guys, all, all they can do right now is lean on each other. So, yeah, I believe that since they are, you know, struggling at the beginning, that's going to help them come together, and eventually things are going to click. And under Mal Watts, one of my concerns at first was that he's so quiet, um, and I wasn't sure how he was going to lead the team being so quiet. How is he going to bring everyone together? But, you know, so far we're assessed that he's going to bring everyone together by just doing his best and working hard. So if the guys focus on just basketball and each other right now, they should be okay. Izzy, I'm concerned that the COVID restrictions are going to impact recruiting. Why would you come to a program that last year had problems in the locker room, had underperformed for a couple years, regardless of talent, and now is in a state that's imposing? I mean, no matter what side of the political spectrum you're on, we're we're on uh, the more thorough side of posing restrictions if you're a big-time recruit why why would you come to UNM if you can't play in your home stadium if you can't practice in your home city how is the Lobos program and uh, coach Dr. Weir going to convince these guys to come here in the future so they, they probably don't tell the guys hey you're probably not going to play here uh, you're going to play in Texas <laughs> um, that's my first guess <laughs> But um, a lot of these guys, a, a lot of the freshmen, it's it's interesting just to hear, of course, how excited they were to play at the pit. And some of the recruits and guys who have committed now, that's a big thing they mentioned, the fans. So, of course, that's a huge selling point for New Mexico. And I think they're just kind of keeping the hope that things will just keep improving and restrictions are going to be changing and eventually they're going to be able to practice here. And even if there's no fans, I think they'll be happy even just playing at the pit because if you're coming in as a freshman, um, chances are that we're not going to be, you know, in lockdown for four years, hopefully. Um, But yeah, like there is just hope pretty much. Like they're probably going to be selling them a hope like, Hey, this is what it was last year. This is where you could be. Do you do you feel like a sway from like the recruiting aspect? Because I feel like with the exodus that we've just talked about in our little Lobo year in review, you've had a lot of junior college transfers. You've had a lot of people come in, and I don't necessarily know if the reception has been what I thought it would be. I thought there would be a lot of excitement to see some guys who are a little bit older and and obviously have put the ball on the court in a competitive college setting before. Do you feel like it's going to stay in the junior college kind of realm, or do you feel like it's going to be more primarily like high school recruiting and getting guys in to really buy into the program for the next four or five years? Uh, I'm not really sure. I think they're just looking for guys who really fit 
the team that we're trying to build. And mm-hmm. they're, I think the reason, like, I noticed that too, you know, usually fans are talking a lot more about their players and stuff. This year, it, it was weird. You didn't get, you, you still got a lot of excitement, of course, but you, they don't know this team. Um, you have to understand that before other years, the media gets to go to practices during off season. So we're always posting about the guys. We're doing interviews, posting videos, photos. We learn little interesting facts that we share. This year, there's been like a month period where I haven't talked to anyone from the basketball team. Um, it's it's hard. So if I barely know the team and it's my job, how would a fan get excited about a team they don't really have any access to? Like they oh, see their stuff on point. social media if they post anything, but that's about it. Izzy, after you saw Boise State hey, put man. it on the Lobos twice. Can we grab a break real quick? Sure. But I do want to come back to this. Sure. Let's yeah, sure. let's uh, let's give the uh, let's give the sponsors an opportunity. When we get back, more Lobo talk. Is I'm having about the most fun I could possibly have with Izzy Gonzalez on a Saturday Izzy hour. Dave and Buster's presents ABQ Central live from the Talk ABQ Studio. We're powered by New Mexico Pinon Coffee. We play on Team I Nine, and we celebrated the holidays at Rio Rancho Convention Center. Ninety-five point nine FM AM six ND Sports Animal. Lobo, 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 Lobo talk. Izzy Gonzalez from the Layer and M joining your boys, talking Lobos all morning. We talked about the beatdowns in Boise. We did a little year in review, and it was, you know, it was a little turbulent, our year in review. We didn't really spotlight the positive. But, Vane, you were about to ask, Izzy what? Oh, no, it was a sarcastic joke question. We could pivot back. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm wondering about... We we talked Lobo basketball, which is is the talk of the town. Albuquerque loves their Lobos. Albuquerque loves showing up to the pit and supporting the men's and women basketball program. But the football program ended on a high note, and I think we'd be remiss not to talk about that. When the Lobo football program seems like they were in the midst of their darkest days, they turned around and had two huge upsets against huge favorites. Izzy, what what did the Lobos do to turn their season around? And their fifth turn quarterback. And that's how it happened. It just that's that's the secret to winning. Um just, just put in the local no, like, kid that no one's yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like bring in a local guy, a walk on actually, and then they'll win games for you. Um what happened was that Gonzalez was patient, and he built a culture. Or, or he's starting to. I, I wouldn't say, like, again, they're not going to win every single game next season. But you can see that this team is different now, even attitude-wise, um, compared to a couple years ago. Even the first couple games this season, yes, they lost. Um, they, they struggled a lot. But you could see a lot of fight in them. And to me, a lot of that was Coach Gonzalez and Rocky Long just being tough, like, they're all about tough love. And we were talking about, you know, the story for the basketball team and what their year was like. And it's, you know, being positive and, you know, staying healthy and stuff. Um, the football team is positive, but Gonzalez is different from Weir. Um, Weir is very, he's nice. Um, and Gonzalez <laughs> is nice. nice, but he doesn't sugarcoat <laughs> things. He gives you that tough love when it's like, hey, 
we like those remember those first few games where he was just like it's embarrassing that we keep losing um that's that's where that tough love comes from and eventually that got to the guys you know like they kept hearing it they kept hearing they had to play harder and that that's why i think that bringing in a guy who really needed to prove himself mm-hmm. but at the same time didn't have much to lose because the expectations weren't really on him it was just hey let's just finish the season he took that opportunity and ran with it it was like hey well if you don't expect anything from me it's fine i expect stuff for myself and that's how you get two wins. You don't give up. You you know you're not going to get anything for the off season. We just keep going. That's Fred's he, motivation too. He just he just thrives off of not embarrassing his father. That, yeah, that's everything. Everything behind me. There are two people I don't want to embarrass. One is my father, and two is Jeff Simbietta, who's joining us now <laughs> on the phone line, who may or may not be in Frisco, Texas. I don't know. Because Hawaii uh-huh. capped off the season with a victory over Houston in the New Mexico Bowl. Jeff, welcome to the program. How are you? Greetings, gentlemen and lady. How are you? Happy everything to y'all. What's happening? Right back at you, buddy. Hey. Good, good, uh, good holiday. So how fortunate are we to have been able to celebrate with family, except for Van, who hermited up in his house for four consecutive days to hide from the world? Well, I, I get, it. I get, get it. to have my late Christmas tomorrow, so... Yeah, little okay. family's good. Hopefully, everybody had fun. It was, uh, yeah, it was, it was good just to have our little little Christmas. It's different for everybody, and uh, yeah, my my daughter said, "Dad, it didn't feel like Christmas." There was she didn't get to go to the New Mexico Bowl for the first time in her life. Like, I, oh I, my I, gosh! Well, that whole thing hit me. She's fourteen. She was six months, five, six months, seven months old for the first game. She's been to every one until this one, and it was the first one she didn't get to go to. So it was, um, you know. Different way to celebrate for her and, and, and us, but uh, hopefully, did you get to see any of the game? Well, I tell you, I'm or, in St. Louis, Jeff, and I, I watched it in entirety with the right. in-laws' families, and uh, just a lot of celebration to have football on for the holidays. How was Frisco? How was how was the whole experience? How were the teams? Uh, kind of break it down for us, friend. Yeah, different time, you guys. Uh, Frisco, Kirky was uh, it, it was it was different. There were times where it was too calm, and I'm. The calm makes you nervous. You know, typically bowl week, you're freaking out because there's a, there's fires. Well, freaking out's not right. You're just moving around, putting out fires, and there were just no events. It was it was, it was Hawaii got in three days. They spent three nights there. Um, Houston rolled in the night before the game at 7:30, so there was very little interaction with them. Um, I, I, the team in Frisco was was true. We we went there because we have a we have a team on the ground that runs a Frisco Bowl and good relationship with FC Dallas and, and and Toyota Stadium. And so they were they were incredible. It doesn't happen without them. And um, we were able to put put the event on. You know, your biggest issue was just every time the phone rang, I, I, hoping it's not somebody telling me that there's a positive COVID test and it's going to shut the whole thing down because you've been watching games just get shut down and. So the whole goal was just to get get there and 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 get to the finish line and and make New Mexico and make Albuquerque proud and put on an event because it wasn't easy to to survive and you know a lot of bowls didn't make make it to the finish line this year. I mean, big tradition bowls, Sun Bowl, Holiday Bowl, you know, a lot of lot of big name, big city bowls. And I'm just I'm, I'm proud that we were able to get there. I'm proud of our team and and what we're able to do. And I hope it looked good. And I hope um, I, I just hope we did we did Albuquerque proud. Jeff, you mentioned your daughter hasn't uh, missed one ever. I haven't missed one in about seven or eight years. I know the New Mexico Bowl has been going on longer than that. Um, But thank you for teaching me something during the New Mexico Bowl. I didn't know that Frisco, Texas existed. 
So I got I got to learn something new. How, how was the hospitality there? Did they did they welcome you with welcome you with open arms? And how was the 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 red carpet there? Yeah, they were great. And, and you know, we got a relationship. Sean Johnson, who runs the Frisco Bowl, actually worked at UNM. He's from New Mexico, so oh. we brought him over a case, three cases of, of local beer. Um, a case of elevated, well a case of nut brown, a Santa Fe nut brown, and a case of Bosque IPA on his request, and a case of Sadie's hot salsa. So I think that might have helped with the red carpet a little bit, and we, we swagged them out. But they, they were they were great. They were pros. Um, uh, Nick Schaefer, who's the ops guy at, at Toyota Stadium, was was unbelievable. They they treated it like it was their game. They took a lot of pride in it, and you know, it, it, they didn't have to. It was a lot of extra work, and it was on Christmas Eve, and by like. I, I I get it. You know, I started thinking, what if, gosh, what if we had to put on two and then had to put on someone else's game? And, you know, would we have been as accommodating? And I certainly hope so. Um, but, yeah, when when I told my mom, we're, she's in Southern California, we're playing the game in Frisco. She thought it was San Francisco. A lot of people thought it was uh, San Francisco. Yeah. Uh, Brittany Bay to Channel 13, the day we announced, um, we set up the press release that it was Frisco. I, I got... Uh, I got a, a, an email and a voicemail from her. Oh, I know the game's being played in Fresno. No, no, different, but we, we'll get there. Um, so it, it was it was different for everybody, man. But we, I don't know. It, it was gosh. I, I, maybe I'll write a book on this one because it was it was bizarre as heck. Hey, Jeff. The New Mexico Bowl is definitely one of the most unique ones in college sports. Um, what's the story behind it, and what are some of the reactions you get from people whenever they see it? The trophy, you mean? Yes. Oh, Izzy, when we broke out the trophy for the first time at the press conference on Wednesday, it's amazing. Everybody in the room was like, oh, my God, it's so beautiful, taking pictures. Um, the, the story behind it is, is it's the trophy and the, and, the, um, and the MVP awards are created by artists on the Zia Pueblo. And when we initially, uh, back in 2006, the first New Mexico Bowl logo had the Zia logo in it. And as you know, it's a sacred symbol to the people of Zio Pueblo, and, and it's it's abused a lot. So I reached out uh, really to, to get their blessing, their permission to utilize and, and to use the Zia uh, symbol in, in our logo. And in return, we, we've committed to commissioning their artists to, to create the awards every year. And so uh, the, the trophy is a husband and wife team, Marcellus and Elizabeth Medina. And Marcellus at one point was governor of the Pueblo. She makes the pot. He hand paints everything. And, oh, cool. um, and then the uh, player of the game awards are a gentleman named Ralph Aragon, who's a, a artist on the Pueblo as well, and and, and it, it, we call them the most unique trophies, the most unique awards in sports. I think they're the most beautiful in in college football, and um, yeah, they they get a, a a whole lot of love uh, for people who appreciate. It. We had a host when we started uh, um, back in 2006. There was a host on the Sports Animal, you guys. Um, who, who said, yeah, it looks like it's just created by a kindergartner who just didn't appreciate it. And I guess there's some people who don't appreciate it, uh, but if you realize what it is and how beautiful it is and you look at the detail, um, they're, they're gorgeous. They're gorgeous. And Izzy, I appreciate that because this year they had these, these flowers, these like pink-colored flowers. It was just a whole different thing. And the fact that it went back to the Hawaiian Islands, it, it kind of, I don't know, felt like it was going to the right spot. Yeah, we, we call those people haters, Jeff. Those people are called yeah. haters. There's a lot of them, boys. You just got to not pay attention to them. And there's, um, I mean, you get it. You know, people people hate for a lot of reasons. And if you believe in what you're doing and you believe you're doing it the right way, you just keep going forward. And we've been able to do this thing for 15 years in a place that everybody told me it would not work. I used to hear all the time, what do you got? What are you going to do when the bull dies? What do you mean? Are you going back into TV? I'm like, no, man, I'm old, fat, and bald. Like, I, I, I got to make this thing work. I was the only one dumb enough to think this thing was going to be here 15 years plus. And, uh, Bummer, we had to celebrate 15 there. Um, looking forward to be home next year, but I'm glad we were able to do it. 
Jeff, we're up against Jeff, the break. Any final yeah, words? Before... Hit it. No, no, I just want to say say happy everything to you guys. Happy holidays. Oh. And, Fred, glad you're doing well. Um, kind of you. I know, I, I know it's been a run for you, and I'm sending you love and good thoughts. And uh, just happy New Year to you guys. Keep doing what you're doing. I enjoy listening, and I'm glad you're part of our team here at the Sports Animal. And whatever I can do for you, I'll just reach out. But keep doing what you're doing. and Be healthy, be well, and have a happy New Year. Izzy, you too. Thank you. Oh, it was Thanks, nice Jeff. You, Jeff. Appreciate you. Be well, you guys and lady. Talk to you soon. The kindest. He's the kindest. What a dude. We have been, I've been in town for three and a half years. So I've been to the last three New Mexico Bowls. I went with Van to all of them. And the experience there is so intimate. It's so um, enjoyable. You feel like you're, you're part of the game, you know. If it's the tailgate or the press box where we've been so fortunate to have been multiple times or, or down on the field. But it's a cool experience. Izzy, have you been to one in person? I have, yes. I've been to a couple. Um, as a fan, I think I went once, and I've been covering it as well. And it's fun. I love it. Jeff Simbieta, who makes it happen for the New Mexico Bowl. Let's grab a break. When we get back, we'll wrap up the Lobos with Izzy Gonzalez. We're having a lot of fun on a holiday weekend. Everyone's doing so very good. Dave and Buster's presents ABQ Central live from the Talk ABQ studio powered by New Mexico Pinion Coffee. We play in Team I-9, and we spent our holidays at the Rio Rancho Event Center. 95.9 FM, AM 610D, Sports Animal. Back on the program, back on the rails, this friend of the show, Jeff Simbieta, called us to talk New Mexico Bowl, which was so very much fun, so thank you to him. We're doing year in review, and we're doing it with Izzy Gonzalez, and we're talking... Lobo football, Izzy. Year in review, yeah, I think that this team actually goes back to 2019 proper in Bob Davey and the medical incident and, and knowing that they were going to move on and then the decision to land on Coach Gonzalez. As far as the year in review, starting with Coach Gonzalez is signing with the team. Can you talk a little bit about that – change in culture can you talk a little bit about bringing in homegrown coaching talent and now obviously bringing in homegrown players yeah so however you feel about Bob Davy, it really doesn't matter because after all those years I think everyone related to Mexico football um they just kind of need a break and a fresh start so bringing in someone new is going to help just, you know, feeling like you can just start over and create something new. But, of course, bringing a local guy like Danny Gonzalez, that's a huge deal. Because New Mexico, it's not known for football. Like, we're not the state that's, you know, they don't have the best football players here. They're, they don't have the biggest guys. And that's okay because bringing in a local guy is kind of embracing what New Mexico is. Because, hey, we're not going to try to turn New Mexico into – Texan team or something. We're just going to embrace what we have here and show people that we do have what it takes to win games. So to me, that was that was a good move because realistically, you weren't just going to turn the team around in one year, you know, getting a huge coach from, you know, somewhere else and then get a whole new set of players that are none of them from New Mexico. You have to kind of work with what you have. And a lot of the guys that the Lobos had were local guys. And Gonzalez really took advantage of that. He was like, hey, anyone 
can win games if they work hard enough. And if you don't win, it's okay. You just have to, you know, keep pushing hard because eventually you are going to win. So to me, that, that that's what bringing Gonzalez was about and bringing Rocky Long, that's what it was about. It was about having fans embrace their football program and embrace their state and show that the Lobos do care about what fans think. And I think a, a big part of it was also that if you bring in local guys, then more people are going to come watch the games because they know them. So even there, and that was a smart move. It's like win or lose, they're going to come and see them. So the first couple games, you know, without a pandemic, um, I think there would have been a lot of fans in the stand just, you know, curious and wanting to see their local guys play. Isaiah Chavez, speaking of local guys, is 2-0. and Tell me why he's going undefeated next year and upsetting Alabama in the national championship. Absolutely. I heard Gonzalez was calling Alabama right after the last win. So, you know, I think it will happen. That's that's the home opener. It's going to be played in New Mexico. <laughs> um, no, so part of it was he, he just went out there and played. Um, Gonzalez had confidence in him. He had confidence in himself. And um, I think I talked about this before where he, he wasn't – this was before he even played. Um, there was a chance that he might get in the game. So I asked him, hey, what, what are some of the other quarterbacks telling you? What's Tavaka telling you? And he said he, even the first practice, he was so nervous. Like that very first practice, even like before the season started. Um, and Tavaka was like, hey, relax. This is not a Super Bowl. It's a practice. Just go out there and practice, you know. Do what you know what to do. So then when Trey Hall was going to play, um, Isaiah Chavez was like, hey, you know what you guys told me? You told me to just relax, so you can do it. Tobacco's out, but you're next in line, and you can do this. So he had that attitude from the beginning. He said, hey, it's it's just a game. I'm just going to take it easy and go out there. Like, sure, I'm sure he was nervous, but it's just that attitude that he had. It was just that confidence in himself. The end of... The end of the season to me was obviously the two wins are huge, right? That's gigantic. And the end was like, oh, my gosh, I'm, I'm bought in. Like, I was so apprehensive. I was so scared to say we made the right decision. I was like, the, the players aren't the, – our best players aren't playing their best positions and our, we're not getting the, the message across coaching-wise. But as we wrap the season down and we have local talent at the quarterback position and we're pulling out wins, and we got – Van, we have players up for awards – we got first teamers. We got second teamers in the conference. Jarek Reed is is to me a different level of talent. That excitement, Izzy, how is that going to translate into the next season? How's the excitement that I now have, which I didn't have six weeks ago, how is that going to translate to twenty twenty one? If you were on Twitter after that first win, everyone was asking you and M how to buy season tickets for next season already. Um, that's how big it was. There were already looking forward to their team playing again. They were actually really sad that the season was over. Like, of course, they were happy they won, but they were like, we want more of this. Like, we finally won some games. And, you know, they were convinced they were going to keep going and winning if, you know, they had more games scheduled. So you can already see it. And next year, I, I think this season they kind of started, you know, like, oh, well, it's, it's a new coach. Let's just give him time. We'll see what he does. They were excited about the local talent. Like I said, they were just going to be excited to see some of their, their own guys play. But I think next season, that's different. It's not just like, oh, I know that guy, and that's why I'm going to watch the game. Now it's going to be, hey, that team played hard last year. Um, let's watch them. Like, we're excited. We want to see where else they go. 
So that's a shift of attitude. And next season should be fun as well. Is he what? I mean, what what vibe? I mean, Dan, local guy Danny Gonzalez. He was a huge get. Rocky Long was a huge get. These guys have really good pedigrees, and they get to come home and play for a team that they're passionate about. Do you see this momentum carrying over into next year? And do you you don't think Danny Gonzalez has a firm grip on the reins of this program going forward? Yeah. Um... Gonzalez is very into, he's not just a local guy, but he's a local guy that loves New Mexico history. So uh, I think he mentioned this like at the very beginning of the season where um, someone pointed out, or they mentioned that during practice um, and during team meetings, Gonzalez will just point at a guy and say, hey, what's the fight song? Sing it right now. Um, so he wants the guys to really embrace UNM and UNM history. He tells them random facts um, of games and players that you know play in New Mexico. So I think a lot of that is not just like, uh, oh, I'm happy right now. So that's the moment and that's going to carry over. No, it's more of a we built a culture and we build, you know, some sort of base. So next year, this team, you know, the guys who are going to stay, they already kind of have that love for their team. They know their history and they're going to keep passing that on. So it's more of a culture more than just um, like emotions because emotions, you know, it's, it's going to be. A couple months before they get back out there so you have to have something else other than excitement which is an actual love for the sport and for your team congratulations to new mexico lobo Teton, excuse me Teton saltez as he's up for the wolfel trophy college football's premier award for community service uh one of three finalists van so that is we got we got good people on this on in this program. We got some cool stuff going on. Izzy Gonzalez, thank you so very much for this last hour. Anything before we let you go? Oh, hope everyone had a great Christmas and everyone staying safe. Oh yeah. And Dan called in last week and that made my entire week, so I just want to give him a shout out. So oh, thanks for oh that. You made me so happy. <laughs> she she plays to the fans, folks. She's like She's a classic face. We'll be back after the break. Uh, 95.9 FM, AM 610 D, Sports Animal. Again, a special thank you to Izzy Gonzalez, who joined us for the last hour talking Lobos, Lobos basketball and Lobo year in review. And Jeff Simbieto, who took the time to call in about the New Mexico Bowl. Okay, Van. Yep. So we've already done sports moment of the year. We've already done game of the year. Yep. <laughs> I'm going to give you the most important day of the year. Okay. okay. March 11th, 2020. Do you recall March 11th, 2020? Um, we talking Rudy? <laughs> no. Rudy <laughs> Gobert? We are not talking Rudy. <laughs> we are talking... The day that literally changed everything, okay? So I'm going to give you the breakdown. I got it for you. And we're going to go through them as I'm breaking them down. Ready? Yeah. So at, at 11, um, Dr. Anthony Fauci testifies before Congress. So this would have been 11 Eastern. So what's that? Nine, New Mexico. That there is a coronavirus outbreak, he says in front of Congress, and he says there's at or near um, 700 cases in the country, and it's going to get worse. 
Well, that's a severe under, under, under sharing. So that's the start to the day. Okay. Mm-hmm. Did that, were you on that live at the time? Did you take that in live or did you absorb that a little bit later? Uh, you know, I'm a big news guy. I'm always connected to the news. Mm-hmm. So I was following the story the whole time. Like I was aware of it since December when it started Correct. breaking out in uh, Wuhan. Our first conversations about it were on the program in January. Yep. So that's how long ago we, I mean, not saying we were ahead of anyone, we weren't, but. And I so later. insensitively, months before Trump called it the Kung Flu, and I send my eternal apologies out for that. Oh, I'm you made sorry. that joke, did I'm you? I'm sorry I'm so funny and insensitive. So oh, my gosh. A legit apology going out <laughs> to the world right now. Later that day, a wheelchair-bound Harvey Weinstein became a convicted rapist. Just throwing that out there. Not really part of the story. Oh, hey, yeah. That was... Okay, that's a little Shyamalan twist. <laughs> yeah. Didn't expect <laughs> that one. Lost in the minutia of the day. Okay. Um, later that afternoon, at or near like lunchtime, the World Health Organization declares COVID-19 a global pandemic. So that's the day it officially became a global pandemic, okay? So then San Francisco says, hey, Warriors, can't play here. Tom Hanks and his wife, Rita Wilson, come out and say, hey, we're in Australia, but we got it. That was like the first time many people knew or at least knew the name of someone who had it, right? Sure. When you heard when Tom Hanks came out and said what was your reaction to that one, Van? What was your what was your take from that? Well, I mean, uh yeah, we were talking about celebrities' impact on culture earlier, right? So Yeah. I mean it's it's not real until one of your heroes gets it. And like you said, I mean Tom Hanks was was the first big one, I mean, to, to come out and say, Hey, I got it. We're quarantining, we're taking vitamins, we're doing all this stuff. But, I mean, the turning point to me, like I mentioned earlier, was, was Rudy Gobert. Like when, when he says, oh, we're fine, and he makes a big deal about it, and he starts coughing, and he touches all the mics, and that then was comes dumb. out the next day that he got it, and some of his teammates got it, and that then they dumb. started canceling games. Like, I think, you know, usually... You know, sports is, you know, our getaway. Sports is our distraction from the stressors of real life. But I think this is one of, like, the the biggest times in modern history where sports mirrored our existence and showed us what was about to happen. Because for a lot of people, this wasn't real. You know, I mean, to a a lot of people, it's still not. And we have words for those people. Um, But, yeah, like... When the NBA started canceling games, like that's when it got real. That's when people started believing, like, oh my gosh, this is spreading across the country. This is real. If my favorite game gets canceled, maybe I should start taking this seriously. Mm-hmm. And and if you remember, I mean, we, you and I aren't super plugged in this world. I know Vital's a soccer fan, but like, like that this at this day, like, and right around the same time period is when all those like. Um, uh, like European players started testing positive, like all the soccer players. So it was very much still hitting, talking like, about was, COVID, right? Yeah, COVID. Okay. Yes, um, it was. <laughs> I see. But that's when it was. You know, it was taking over. You know, in Europe at that point, it was. It had become a very recognizable, and it it was. And like you said, man, just days away from being here. Um, 
the 11th, uh, still March 11th, is uh, was like the last like like practice round of the players' championship, right? That was the last one where like fans are showing up without masks. The Big Ten announced that day um, they're going to play their tournaments without fans, right? Like there's all this like women's soccer, um, like like comes out and does like a protest for like like if you remember their inside out jerseys because they didn't um, they didn't necessarily feel that like their uh, the the team the men's team is more important than their team, so they you know they hid the like the United States flag, you know, there was like March 11th just had so very much going on. Um, cause like Oklahoma city was, was just like another like game day for like, like Narone's Noel and his Thunder teammates. But like, like they're warming up to play the jazz. Well, well we know how that played out. You know, that game didn't happen, you know? So that was like the first, like, let's cancel it. Let's call it. And if you remember, Van, because I think even you and I were together, I think we were watching this thing that night where it was, what is going on? You know, the game was supposed to be at seven. And then before you know it, it's like an hour and a half later and the game's canceled and no one really knows exactly why, how, or who's making these decisions. Um, but sports were not the same after March 11th. Like March 11th was the, this thing has changed forever. Yeah, I mean, that's for me, I was uh, super precautious and, you know, really worried about this breaking shore and coming on the United States mainland. And and little did we know that, you know, it, it already had on the east and west coast. And apparently f- people think that it started earlier, but February 6th was the first known case. Right. And then it spread like wildfire after that. And, you know, it, it decimated the whole country and you know, over 300,000 deaths and counting. And now enough time has gone by that, uh, this thing is hybridized and there's, there's new strains being popped up and first one in France today, supposedly. Yeah. Supposedly more contagious, um, affects your, your nervous system worse than the first strain of the coronavirus. So good luck y'all. Here we go again. It's, it's a whole other world now, you know, it's, uh, there's this idea of like trying to get back to quote unquote normality. Right. Um, I mean, normality is forever changed. Like normality is, is going to be what we make it from this point on. And, um, you know, I have a, I have a grandmother who was born slightly after the Spanish flu. So that, I mean, so we're going back to 19, like I guess her 1930. So she's, she's 90 years old. Right. So, um, so she had older siblings that did not survive the Spanish flu. And that is like, you know, still part of her life 90 years later where it's, you know, she didn't know the pre, um, Spanish flu, but I'll tell you what, with like world war one and the Spanish flu, I understand the roaring twenties. I understand why you want to get <laughs> jazzed up to go out on a Saturday night in your hometown. Cause there were in my one year exposure almost to 2020, I totally get this. Everything has changed from what I knew. And I don't know if I'll ever have that vibe back. And, and I think that is sports as a whole. Like I, I don't necessarily know how quickly we're going to get back to 40,000 filled at your favorite major league ballpark or a hundred thousand at your WrestleMania event. Like I, 
I think it might be many a year or two van or three van before we're back to that point of, oh, this feels familiar. Yeah, I think it's going to be a couple no matter what because we got to get everybody vaccinated and we got to get the vaccinations up to a point where, you know, us as a society and a world have have herd immunity and we could start, you know, being around each other in mass numbers. Mm -hmm. I think we've got some good data. We got some good information on how we can social distance and keep people safe and, you know, have limited capacity at, at large events and sporting events. And, but yeah, I mean, this is the new normal. And I mean, this to Europe and the Americas, this is all new, but I mean, we could take lessons for a couple decades from Japan and Southeast Asia who have who have been dealing with this to a smaller degree and 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 they've been cutting the size of their events and everyone there has been wearing masks for years and years and years and and don't you know fraternize in large groups so i mean they've showed us the playbook how to do this and maybe we just get everyone vaccinated and and we start taking this you know as as a people as a society more seriously because i mean as you know the biggest impediment to controlling the spread of COVID-19 were deniers, were anti-maskers, were people who were misinformed, unfortunately, by people in power at mm -hmm. the beginning at the beginning of this pandemic that, you know, I mean, you know, the timeline first, it was first it was a Democratic hoax and first they were just going after and trying to get Republicans in trouble and then it wasn't as bad as the flu and and then it was going to go away in summer and then it's not as bad as everyone says it is and then oh the numbers aren't as bad as mainstream media is saying and then you have all these deniers and all these people who aren't taking it seriously and then you have super spreader event after super spreader event and then all these people are doing is you know you've, you've heard it all year is you're just you're just killing your grandma you're killing. You're killing your immunocompromised cousin. You, you're 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 killing your neighbor who has diabetes. And you know you're a great example. You, COVID hit you really hard. I mean, if if you weren't listening to the show last week, Fred shared his COVID journey with us, and and you got a really bad batch, and you were on your deathbed there for a couple days, <laughs> and you were you were fortunate enough to bounce back and and not become a statistic. Yeah, and and you know, and deathbed is so hyperbole, you know, but I was in a rough way. You know, there was, you know, of my gosh, 20 days there that I had a struggle. Um, there was three of them that were not great. There was three of them where I didn't necessarily know what was going to happen. And, you know, those were scary days. And you were talking about the vaccine a little bit, you know, and, and the vaccine has been out now for 12, 13 days. And I know in the first 10 days, man, there were a million vaccines given out to primarily healthcare workers in the country. And then for some reason, um, you know, and I will politicize this one, for some reason, people of politics who denied that COVID even existed. But at that rate, even at a million people every 10 days, Ben, you're looking at like like upwards of like nine years before you get everyone <laughs> vaccinated. Sure. Like I mean, the number of uh, vaccines produced will go up. And we'll start getting more needles, you know, full of vaccine out there. But it's right. going to take a while, obviously. And and you you just struck a nerve with me right now that, you know, a lot of the people who denied that this thing existed and completely botched protecting our society throughout this whole problem were the first ones in line to get the the vaccine. And I think that's sickening 
if you're if you're a denier and I think if if you if there's anything on record saying that you deny this thing or don't take it seriously, you should be right in the back of the line to get this vaccine. I don't think it's fair to all the people who put their life on the line, all the essential workers, the healthcare workers, all the people who, that had our society afloat during this pandemic. It's a slap in the face mm-hmm. to the people who put their life on the line. It's disgusting. Indonesia does an interesting thing with uh, organ donating. Donating. Are you familiar with this? So, in Indonesia, if you're an organ donor, you are put to the top of the organ recipient list. Sure. If you're not an organ donor, you are put to the bottom sure. of the organ recipient list. And and I think that's an interesting – I'm not saying it's one for one applicable to this situation, but there are just you – know, there are so many different ways to approach that. So uh, so there you go. March 11th, Van, that was, that's my sports day of the year. That's – that's the day the world kind of changed here in the United States. Yeah. De- oh, Vital, that's a prime way to example. Yeah. The, yeah, music sounds a little bit different since March 11th. It's, it's, I'm listening through styrofoam, you know? So, <laughs> yeah, a little bit. It's singing. <laughs> bye, bye. We'll, we'll go to the break with that one. Um, when we get back, I want to talk about what we lost, man. I want to talk about what we lost in 2020. Um, so we'll hit on that uh, at least for the next 15 minutes. Dave Busters presents ABQ Central live from the Talk ABQ Studios, powered by New Mexico Pinion Coffee. We play on Team I-9, and we spend our holidays at the Rio Rancho Convention Center. 95.9 FM, AM 610, the sports animal. It's a football Saturday, man. They said, no UFC talk at 11. No on the mic with Mike Adams. No Micah Frankel. They said, 11 a.m., we're giving you NFL football. So Tampa Bay at Detroit at 11 here on the Sports Animal Van. So after you leave the program, you you get in the car, you're going to hear Tom Brady, okay? Bonus. But speaking of bonus, a little doubleheadery boy. Ooh. Miami at Vegas at 530. Oh, I need Vegas to have a big game. Vegas needs to put up 60 with no turnovers. We got to do our picks or no? Talking fantasy. No, forget our picks this week. I'm doing year and We're capping the year. Yeah. Me and you can do picks after the show. You did well last week. Yeah, by the way, I won. I won hey, the pick em league <laughs> last week. Oh, did you? Not just did well, I, I demolished. You yeah. Demolished you, you suckers. Oh, I mean, I think I did well. <laughs> By the way, and then it follows on Sunday, we have our usual triple header here. NFL Week 16 starting at 11 with the Colts and the Steelers. Gosh, that's actually a good matchup. Rams and the Seahawks, there's another one for the NFC West. And the Titans and Vans Packers. Ooh, we need that one. We need that one for home field advantage. Fred, Fred, you did well in the Pick'em League last week if we're going by golf rules. (laughs) Because you easily got the less picks right, so you're well, you're way under par. Here's what I do: is in an effort to win, I just go oppo. So I'm not I'm not picking with my mind. I'm I'm just trying to not pick what you pick. Ah, that's, yeah. So that's I need also a very bad decision because <laughs> <laughs> I'm good at this. We're doing 2020 year in review, and I do this every year. I've been in radio for a long time. We did and, it last uh, year. Yeah, we did it last year. Yeah. I've never missed a year in review. It's it's one of my favorite shows of the year. It's, it <sighs> oh. seems like last year, two hours was enough. We capped yes. up the year in two hours. 
this year, three hours is nowhere close to being enough to Not wrap up 2020. I am close at all. As far as sports go, okay, here's what was lost. The freaking Olympics, Van. Big deal. Big deal. I love the Olympics every four years for a couple weeks. Sure. It's my favorite thing. I learned about track and field. I learned about swimming. Those are kind of the ones, really. I guess basketball. I watch basketball. How about That's curling. More- well, that's oh, the wrong I'm, Olympics. I'm the big, I'm the biggest curling homer every four years. Oh my god, you are that. <laughs> I'm still, you, I'm still un- axe throwing. I'm undefeated at street curling at uh, ABQ Axe. Friends of the show, I have yet you to know, be defeated at street curling. I've only played three times, but three and zero, oh, brother. You know who's like like a competitive curler? I speaking of friends of the show. Fred. Oh, okay. uh, our friends at the Rio Rancho Event Center. Oh, yeah. Are yes. putting on the Magical Mesa Christmas, a drive-through Christmas light parade where um over 5 million lights have been put together by friends of Albuquerque and Rio Rancho. Strong, uh, strong together. Red Shovel. The elves at Red Shovel or gnomes, Ooh. the gnomes at Red Shovel put together 5 million lights and we're going to give away two car loads to go see that for free no we're not yes we are right now we did two last week we'll do two again this week and who knows maybe two more next week so 505-246-0610 call in and claim your car load we'll set you up you can go to will call at the rio rancho event center Give us, give uh, super producer Mike Vital your name and phone number, and we'll get you free tickets to the Magical Mesa Christmas. Five million, I'm not making up that number, five million lights all lit up to drive through for, for you and your family's enjoyment. So grab some hot coffee, throw the fam in the car, and go see some lights. We got two carloads of free tickets, 505-246-0610. Those are going to go so fast. Already, li- already lighting already, up. Yeah. Yep. One line's already lighting yep. up. Yep. <laughs> one, one's already gone. I didn't even finish talking, and one's already gone. Um, I was just going to wrap up that little curling joke with uh, Frank uh, uh, Mirko Giliano over there at UNM, the, who does all their, you know, like, hey, here's all the sports stuff. Here's all the, you know, the sports communication guy. Sure. He, yeah, he, he curls regularly. Ooh. Yeah, so he's an avid curler. I've asked to curl with him. And he said, uh, he said, well, if you're not professional, then no. Yeah. So, uh, so we're talking, yeah. So we're talking about things lost. Um, so to me, I think the Olympics are just because it's every four years, I know they're trying to pivot it to 2021 and obviously you'd be able to figure that kind of thing out, but it's that fan stuff. It's the interaction. It's, it's people in attendance. It's people traveling from around the world. It's seeing all these different cultures come together. That's what the Olympics is about. So to me, it's uh, losing the Olympics was big, but here's where it gets weird, Van. I don't think I recognize how big because it wasn't there. Like it, it was, you know, you have many years without Olympics, but it was like, um, just, I don't know, just, just maybe as, as overshadowed as could have been, but because of that, it's very significant. So that to me was, was a huge loss, was losing the Olympics. 
I don't. I don't see what's the big deal. You waited four years. What's one more? Right. I mean, that, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. That's the conversation now. Um, but the, uh, so that was lost. That was obviously lost. Here's also what was lost. Um, my consecutive streak of going to professional baseball. Oh, that one hurt. That one hurt a lot. 2020 is the first year that I haven't seen a professional baseball game, I think, in like 30 years in person. I didn't put that into perspective. Isn't that crazy? You're 100% right. I have, I've, a- I've gone my whole adult life seeing at least one professional baseball game every Correct. summer. Wow. They gone. Sweet. Thanks. Now I'm now I'm depressed. I thought I made it through 2020. <laughs> and now you just put it into perspective. Thanks a lot, Fred. We talked about like in the NBA actually just announced this the other day. They laid off some like 10,000 employees the other day, right? Oof. <sighs> I want to put it in perspective talking about loss. Here are some jobs that were affected. And obviously, I lost my job. Like, I had a day job. I ran a health club in town. I literally ran the health club. And I'm not talking like a little, like, corner one. I ran the biggest one in town. In the state. In the state. They cut me loose. So, I lost my job. That's fine. Not for job performance this time. Not for, no, the first time. No, I'm just kidding. The, uh, I struggled. I still have this, which is great. I love this. It made us pivot a lot. But here's some perspective. There were at or near 30,000 lost jobs to, and these, like my very first job ever, there's less umpires, less referees, less officials for youth sports. Like kids getting their first job, that didn't happen. Lifeguards, that didn't happen. Recreation workers, that didn't happen. Fishing and hunting and exercise instructors and, um, and amusement park attendants and, and athletes and agents and sports book writers. And Van, the amount of people in sport affected by COVID-19, like we're, like we're talking like dealers at casinos and we're talking like the bicycle repair guy, Van. Sure. Like, isn't it crazy to think like what this Venn diagram of people affected by COVID-19 is? Yeah, and, and you hinted on it. Like, the big one for me, um, you know, we can miss professional sports all we want. We could miss collegiate sports all we want. We can miss the Olympics. But a lot of people don't consider that youth sports has taken a huge hit. Mm-hmm. That all these little leagues are being shut down and all these kids can't play. And I know what that would have done for my mental health. Oh, my gosh. If I was in my youth. So shout out to friend of the show, I-9 Sports, for Absolutely. for them hustling all through 2020 to, to make it as good as possible they can for Albuquerque's youth. Because these guys, these guys got to get out. You got to get some sun on your face. You got to sweat. You have to interact with other human beings. And without Little League and without youth sports, I know the youth of this country and the world took a big hit physically and mentally. So shout out to, to all the, the youth sports programs doing well, their best. The best part, in my opinion, of Little League Baseball is not practices or games. It's birthday parties and sleepovers and it's camping trips and it's those friendships that you forge. Like that, to me, is what lasts. The, sure. the fantasy football league that I play in, 
from my hometown of St. Louis, Missouri, is with kids I played Little League Baseball with. Sure. I wouldn't still be their friends. They're all super weird now. But. (laughs) (laughs) Hope they're listening. They do. (laughs) But, we, yeah, we built those connections over youth athletics. I lived – I professionally have lived a world where I've coached basketball. I've run rec leagues. I've worked for community centers. I've run athletic clubs. I've done – like, I work in sports talk radio. I wouldn't have done that if I didn't call balls and strikes at 14 years old for kids who are 13 years old. Hmm. Kind of crazy. Yeah, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then, you know, a little bit to talk about us. You know, when there's no sports, there's no market. When there's no market, there's no marketing. When there's no marketing, there's no advertising. Sure. You know, that's how, that's how this world lives. That's how me and you and Vital pay the bills. Sure. So the amount of loss is just incredible, like like money-wise and, and effect-wise and penetration-wise. Like, it is. it has just been the absolute – Las Vegas, brand-new stadium. Who's in it? L.A., brand-new stadium. Who's in it? You know, special shout-out to – essential workers and healthcare workers and Heck yes. all the city workers that that made society not crumble this year but no one had it worse than me and you fred no it's always two, us two radio guys canceling all of our events having to pivot <laughs> to public service we had it harder than anybody and it's not even close we didn't deserve it <laughs> we were too good and i'm not one to say that like persecution complex isn't real, but like who isn't out to get me? <laughs> you still that got that f- monster under the bed, do you? Yeah. <laughs> Every time I come into the show, I'm always worried about what Vital's going to yell at me about. He never yells at me. Oh, well. I don't know why I create this idea. Let's grab a break. Okay. When we get back, Van. One league did it better than everyone else at changing the conversation in the country this year. We're going to go into detail on that. Dave and Buster's presents ABQ Central Live from the Talk ABQ Studios. We're powered by New Mexico Pinion. We give away those tickets yet, Vital? Are they gone? Both are gone, buddy. We got one down. One set. Oh, they're both gone. They're both gone. gone. Never mind. Of course they are. There's no way they'll last. My sign language is poor. They're both gone. (laughs) Prior to Meta Mexico Pinion Coffee, we play on Team I-9, and we're spending the holidays at the Rio Rancho Event Center, 95.9 FM and AM 610 D Sports Animal. Back on the program, we're giving away tickets today to the Rio Rancho Event Center. No, their, we're not. Five mil- oh, they're gone. They're gone. Oh, they're gone. They're gone. So we away. That lasted about 90 seconds. Of course it did. Get out to the Rio Rancho Event Center, though. Check out their... Magical Mesa of Lights. It's five million lights, Van, put together in a holiday experience, okay? And that, uh, again, I can't stress this enough. That is not a made-up number. No, that's real. That this sounds real like life. something that me or you would make up to pull a fast one on Vital. Correct. It is accurate. There are over five million lights. Till January 17th. Till January so, 17th. Get out. Yeah, get out. Get out. Do it. Hang out with your family. We're talking about the year in review. We went over the the moment of the year, which we believe to be Kobe Bryant. The game of the year, which we believe to be the Super Bowl. The day of the year, which we believe to be March 11th. 
the losses of the year. But now, Van, I'm going to talk about the biggest impact of the year, okay? okay? The NBA. The NBA, Van, has become the median for advocacy for social justice and change, and no one has done it better. No one has tried to do it better, and I don't right now believe anyone can do it better than the National Basketball Association. And as far as like public policy and reaching out and having a voice, the NBA has done it better than anybody for years and years and years. Hard yes. Whether it's like we're about to talk about now, talking about social justice issues and, and advocating for people of color, or if it's just highlighting the personalities of the individuals in your league, no one does it better than the NBA, and they really continued to do it throughout 2020. For 40 years, there was this idea that like Tommy Smith and John Carlos from you know the Olympians who did who you know with the black gloves and Muhammad Ali. There was there were just you could name individuals. You know what I mean? You sure. could name like like this person did this, and and I'm thinking like. Um, Oh, why am I slipping on this? Uh, Cleveland Browns running back. Help me Jim out. Jim Brown. Jim Brown. Thank you. Sorry. So there were there were individuals that you could pinpoint and be like, "There's one. There's a person who I'm gonna use that word advocate again. That's that's trying to make a change and trying to make an impact and trying to do those things. Now there's a league. Like there's an entire organization, and there was not even four years ago. You know, two thousand. 1415 with I can't breathe or hands up don't shoot or there was there was all these like things that had begun you know there was Colin Kaepernick there was so much effort and 2020 specifically the bubble specifically the NBA specifically everything that deserves the attention it's getting the NBA is doing it and I'm going to use this word I don't use it a lot van flawlessly are you seeing flaw in this? No, I'm really not. And even the people, I mean, obviously the NBA is predominantly people of color. And so you have a strong united voice there already. But it seems like there's no division. There's no mutiny at all in the whole league. No, There's not one single oppo voice. Yeah, It seems like the whole league, every player who's not a person of color, every coach who's not a person of color, have the backs of the people who are. And, you know, we've, this is an ongoing conversation, and it's something that we've, we've highlighted on the show throughout the year, you know, after, after George Floyd and after, you know, the, the, this is insanely ironic, but after new breath was breathed into the Black Lives Matter movement at the events of police brutality in 2020, we highlighted local people of color on this show and got their perspective and got their voice. But, I mean, back to the NBA, no one does it better, and they're all in unity. Even if somebody has a, a, religious, what do you want, a religious exemption to being a full supporter of Black Lives Matter and they stand, they're still standing with their hands on the shoulders of their brothers. If, if they feel that they're not a voice for this community and they just want to be there, then they stand arm in arm and no one's done it better. And I'm glad they have such 
an open voice and such an open platform to support these issues. Well, and there's a organization behind it that is so unified that it doesn't know how to fail just as well as the NBA has put, you know, and I'm going to get not conspiracy theory is, but I'm going to tell you right now, this is bigger than what it looks like, but the way the NBA has been able to market its premier athletes, the, the way that it's been able to turn the league, the league is better than ever. The league right now has more talent, produces a better product, has more swag and TV and merchandise and rights. And the best video game is the NBA video game. Like the NBA is the best. And when Laura Ingram told LeBron James to quote, shut up and dribble, the NBA helped LeBron James respond to that. Yeah. That wasn't LeBron James versus Laura Ingram and news outlet. This is a new era of like political activity in sports and, you know, LeBron James, obviously, is a prime example. He's the face of it, you know, because he's the face of the NBA. Exactly that. Whoever, yeah, whoever would be the face of the NBA that's not LeBron James, that's who would be the face of this. Yeah. And, and I feel that LeBron James is just the default face. The, yes. It, the NBA itself is a face. I mean, throughout history, you have your Jackie Robinsons, the aforementioned Jim Browns, Jesse Owens. Uh, Larry Doby. I mean, the list goes on and on. And I think good example. Le- LeBron is just a default face because he's the face of the NBA. Everyone is in unity and everyone is speaking now and everyone mm-hmm. is doing public events and everyone is doing community outreach. And it's, it's amazing to watch it in action. Vital, you've been a fan of sports for, oh my gosh, like I don't want to show your age, but what, 50 years, right? Like 50 years, you've really been into sports. Yes. Have you have you ever seen such solidarity? Have you ever seen such unity in a group as far as it comes to to society and and now soon I mean there's going to be a, the NBA is going to help address like the economic recession. Have you ever seen anything as as organized as this, Mike? You know, there's a lot of things that have gone through as you know, sports evolves just like life in general the world evolves. And I think I've never seen a pro sports league that has come together and unified to bring that change. And that change is it's going to take growth. It's going to take steps. But I think they're in the right, you know, moving toward that right direction. But it has been pretty interesting to see when you really want change done, what can get get done in the short amount of time. Van, do you feel like, and I'm sorry to overwhelm you guys with questions, Van, but I'm going to take you back. And you're a little bit of a historian, so I think this might help. 1994, and Major League Baseball goes on strike, right? So Major League Baseball is selfish, and the only time these guys come together is for themselves. And and there's all this sort of like uh, contention against uh, Major League Baseball and then the Players Association, blah, blah, blah. We see in 2020, NBA players cancel NBA games. And they're not doing it for themselves, and they're not doing it for their personal growth. They're doing it for society, Van. Does that impact, like, have the levity that they wanted it to have on you? Does it feel as strong as they intended? Yeah, I, I think historically we're going to look back at this time as a beautiful time in American history for, for what the NBA is doing and the unity they're showing and, and the united voice that they have, but... Our country as a whole is just wildly divided. Some people say it's divided in two. I feel like it's divided in three. You know, each each political wing has a third of the country wrapped up in their message, and there's a third of us in the middle who try to be 
try to be reasonable. But it seems like people's opinion of the NBA are always just the loudest voices. There's mm-hmm. there's not people a lot of people in the middle who are appreciative of the unity and appreciative of trying to help their community and make other people's lives better. It seems like the loudest, most radical voices are the ones that are being heard that the, you got your, I'm never watching the NBA camp again. These people are terrorists. Like that kind of voice is the loudest. And then you have your voice on the other side that, you know, all the only, Black Lives Matter. We're not doing, we're not focusing on anything in this country besides that. That's on the other side. But I think this gray area is where we're going to get some really good job, some really good stuff done in the future and seeing the NBA's message and the NBA's unity. I think historically we're going to look back at this time and look back on this time very fondly as a very important part of American history. We need to grab a break. This morning in South Africa, their cricket teams raise fist in support of Black Lives Matter. Just because you're not hearing about it every day doesn't mean it's gone. Dave Busters presents ABQ Central live from the Talk ABQ studio, powered by New Mexico Pinion Coffee. We spend our holidays with the Rio Rancho Event Center, 95.9 FM, AM 610 D, Sports Animal. All right, Van. Oh, shoot. Well, this is not the most professional reintroduction, but this just popped up on my phone. Breaking news, Van. Okay. University of Utah football star, accidental shooting. Ty Jordan, freshman running back at the University of Utah, dead early Saturday. My goodness. So that is, yeah, that is a shame. Um, Ty Jordan. Rest in peace, um, young man. Yeah, not familiar with him as a player, but that is, uh, that's heartbreaking. Ooh-wee. Um, football at the top of the hour. We're going to take you up to it. Tampa Bay and Detroit. Um, Van, I got a question. I didn't give this to you before the show. We usually talk significantly before the show, planning it out, preparing the best possible product, best possible That is content. hilarious. You heard, <laughs> you heard Vital laugh out loud planning <laughs> for the show. Look at you. Van, is there too much money? Is there too much money in collegiate athletics? And that's why collegiate athletics have handled COVID-19 so poorly. 100% yes. You know I got beef with college athletics. I also have beef The insane amount athletics. of money these universities take in, and then these players don't get any of it unless, unless they're friends with old Uncle Luke in Miami or right. old Handshake Harry in Alabama. Right. Yeah. They have to hustle. They have to commit crimes. They have to do illegal activities to get their value out of what they provide for the university. And I think it's a joke. We we got a little short on time, so our year in review for football and baseball will be this. The professional athletes, they weighed the risk. If they wanted to play, they did. They were compensated fairly. Um, the difference to me and why I want to put the last couple minutes here into college athletics is just this week – University of Duke, Duke University, doesn't get much bigger, cancels their women's basketball season because it's not safe. Not game. Season. Season. Did they cancel their men's season, Van? Of course they didn't. They got to make money off of it. Of course they didn't. They They got to exploit these young men for money, put them in harm's way for money. 
do you believe that these young men are less or more or exactly the same susceptible as these young ladies? Of course they're the exact same. Exact same. Exact same. What are we ranking value off of here? TV contracts? Mike Krzyzewski already said this is dumb. He said that. And and the pungents out there were saying, well, his team's just not as good as it usually is, and he doesn't know how to play. Shut up. It's not safe. College football is not safe. His name's on the tip of my tongue, man. Maybe you know, maybe you know. Vital- the, the young man in Florida who just, after COVID-19, had the, uh, the long haul effect of the, the increased muscle around his heart. Yeah. Like, we're, we don't We're going we to see tons of these kind of incidences in the future. There's going to be class action lawsuit after class action lawsuit against these universities. Keontae these, these, Johnson. These young men and women in harm's way. And those are the same parents of those children I call them children because they're they're still young they're people. Kids. And the, they're those are the same. Their parents are the same people who are saying you got to play football now. Oh yeah, yeah. These are the same parents that are sneaking their twelve and thirteen year old kids into privately rented basketball courts at at churches to have secret basketball practices so they can travel out of state for for side hustle basketball tournaments and. The Wild West that is Phoenix, Arizona. I tell you, I got such a frustration level with the lack of humanity that people don't attach to athlete. These are kids. Protect kids. Yeah, I think uh, the professional leagues are a completely different story. Whole nother story. You're getting paid money. You can sign a waiver. You can decide if you want to take a year off. You have the experience and decision-making skills to do this. To accept the possible consequence. These young men and women are being forced to do this. That's so the university can make money. So they can keep cashing checks. And there's no other way around it. There's not a gray area in this. They're putting children's lives, well not, excuse me, children. Putting young men and women's lives at risk for money. I almost forgot I was in America for a second. That's not very profound, is it, when you put into perspective what we're doing here across the board? But Van, we can't take a t- we can't take a year off because uh, um, what well, we create these false expectations of where we should be based off of our own projections and decisions. And gosh forbid, we give anyone a year break to figure out a pandemic. You know, I'm going I'm to do a hard pivot on you here, Fred, because I yeah. don't want to end on a negative note. Okay. I would like to end on a positive note. The NCAA lost $700 million in revenue from the cancel of the 2020 Division I basketball tournament. Good. You deserve it. <laughs> I like to spend a special shout out to, to all the American frontline workers and, and healthcare professionals and, and city workers and <clears throat> everyone out there. You know who you are. Sure. All the negative stuff that's happened in 2020, all the horrible things that happened in 2020, you have kept this country afloat and you have been so inspiring and your resolution has been so amazing. And just special shout out to everyone out there. You know who you are. You deserve a Merry Christmas. You deserve a Happy New Year. 
Thank you for everything you've done for this community and this country. It's a beautiful thing to see all the resilience and all the hard work and everyone power through this pandemic and show the best of human nature. It's awesome to watch. Yin and yang, you and I. Yes, sir. <laughs> I'm so hate-filled. <laughs> Special thank you to everyone who gave us an entire year of dedication and love. We'll be back in 2021. Any final words, Van, before we go? Oh, you know we ain't got enough time for what I got to say. We will see everyone next Saturday. Mike Vitale, thank you so very much. GG, everyone. See you next year, Burke.